Hello? Hello. Hello. <laughs> What's going on? Not a lot. Not a lot, to be fair. Why did you ask if we've seen the trailer for The Jungle Book? Just because I, I, I hadn't seen it and I saw it today and I was perplexed by it. Hmm. Have any of you seen the trailer for The Jungle Book? No. The, no. Only, thing, the only thing I know about it is that the um, uh, King Louis... Yeah. ...is like this giant prehistoric monster ape. That's it. That's and what I thought. It looks terrifying. Do you know Why? Why? Because I can, who's the director? For, it's John Favreau, isn't it? Iron Man. I think so. I'm not sure, but basically whoever... Yeah, it is. It is John Favreau. Yeah. yeah. Basically went, yeah, um, there are no orangutans in India. <laughs> Do you know what they used to be, though? They used to be these giant prehistoric like, cave apes. No way! And it's like this idea that one of them is still alive and is basically worshipped like a god by the monkeys. That's genius. So oh, that's genius. That makes me want to watch it. There you go. Pan, on the other hand, can go eat a dick. Have you I'm s- watching the Jungle Book trailer right now because oh, we haven't started the show, so why not? Oh, okay. This will all be stinger material. Okay, that's, that's fine. Any, any, the magic any of editing. Is. That's the magic of editing. Not magic. Is it not? It's magic. Ah, oh, Jungle Book's magic. It's true. Well, no. It's, it's all about no, animals. Trust it's me. It's being presented in a very sinister way. Yes. It looks terrifying. Like, King Louis is actively trying to crush Mowgli in that. I haven't even got to King Louis yet. The whole thing oh, is just sorry. sinister. Sorry. It's, um... Boy raised by wolves, nearly eaten by tiger. Nearly eaten by everything. Yeah. By a snake. Yeah. Basically, life in the jungle sucks. <laughs> Basically. Life in jungle sucks as well. Like, That's what... That music industry has gone downhill. The where, sorry? It's jungle. Yeah. yeah. Musical style. Yeah. It is massive, but... It is massive. Oh, my God. You can't. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go see this. It's, it's interesting. It looks pretty interesting. It looks like Life of Pi has met... Jungle Book. The Jungle Book. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'll tell you what, there's this moment where they just pop up the voice cast, and it's an incredibly impressive voice cast. It is. And name after name, I was just like, nice. Nice. Bill Murray. Nice. And then at the end, it's just Christopher Walken. I went, ah! What? Well, Bill Murray is Baloo. I know that. You've got Lupita Nyongo in there. You've got Bill Murray in there. You've... Uh, I'm just thinking this is a really good cast. And they're just right at the end. It's like, Chris Walken. I'm like, yes. Who is she? I want to eat the boy. King <laughs> Louis is Christopher Walken. Oh, my God. Who's Christopher Walken? King Louis. Oh, God. Oh, no. He's the giant ape. I am the giant a prehistoric ape. Ape? Because an orangutan made uh, no sense. Scarlett <laughs> Johansson is Carl, which is a great choice, actually. I think so. Ben <gasps> Kingsley is Bagheera. Shere Khan is Idris fucking Elba. Oh my god! Shit. You know, you see why, as the cast went by, I was just like, nice, nice. I didn't realise nice. Idris Elba was Shere Khan. Holy <laughs> And then just Christopher Walken. Brilliant. I'm sold. I mean, <laughs> I'm really glad I brought this up. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even started the show yet. Shall we start the show so we can talk about it proper? The King of the Monkeys. Oh boy, the troops back home. <laughs> so happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, did you, bang! Bang! <laughs> 
It'll be the burger you will just see balloons. <laughs> this is not over. Bears. <laughs> uh, life is good. Life is uh, so we're gonna go see that. Yeah, yeah, we are. Okay. We're on stage. We're outing to the jungle. And you've not even seen the trailer yet. Yeah, that's I'm the thing. That's amazing. <laughs> Two words: Christopher and Walker. <laughs> yeah. Christopher Walker, giant ape. <laughs> Oh my in a goodness. film with bears in, so he might get to deliver the line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. I hope he does. The only thing that could make this better is if Nicolas Cage is in there somewhere. <gasps> no mention of him. Aww. Nicolas Cage would be awesome as the vultures. <laughs> I don't know. No, this is the base of the Disney one. There's oh, bear, bear Necessities is in it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Like, you know how Disney did the whole are uh, you sure about that? That's what's that? That that Bear Necessities is in this because there are two modern Jungle Book movies in the works. What? There's a Disney one. <laughs> yeah, and there's Tom Favreau's one. What? So there's there's one starring Christian Bale and Benedict Cumberbatch and Kate Blanchett and Andy Serkis, and that one. Is uh, I, I is I think animated, and then there's the sort of photo real live action version, which is the one we've just been talking about. Yeah, so um, I've just watched, which is the uh, like Alice in Wonderland style live action. So and the, given what? the kind of fucking terrifying presentation of that trailer. I doubt it's the one that's going to be true to the original in terms so of the sound. What you're saying is, we are not going to get to see Christopher Walken's musical number Oh, Ubi Do <laughs> I want to be like you Oh, oh Sadly not I want to walk like you talk like you show That is the one We have our bumper. Bill Murray is singing Bare Necessities so Christopher Walken will be singing that song. Allay the secret on me of man's red fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to stop this now. <laughs> oh, so brilliant. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jungle Bird. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you got your bum Yeah. Oh, my God. Hello and welcome to World One Stage One. <laughs> I'm Simon, and joining me as ever are Christopher Walken. Hello, Rob. Hi, and Irish. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I'd get the show started because I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> I often go through the same thing. I can't do it anymore. It's literally just melting in my mouth. Oh my god! Like so much chocolate, I can't do. The voice. I couldn't even do the voice shit. to start with. It's literally just mutating beyond all recognition now. 
So, yes. Ah, World One, Stage One. Yes. That's the show. That's, that's the show funny. we're doing. Yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> Not that professionalism. Book versions. Oh, speaking of upcoming movies, though, uh, Mad Max sequel has been confirmed. Woo! Yay! But we don't know what it's going to be. I picked up the anthology today on Blu-ray. Nice. But, oh, I mean, even yeah. George Miller doesn't know what the sequel is because apparently he got overexcited and made two scripts and <laughs> put them to the studio. And the studio were like, yeah, we'll make one of these. And he's like, which one? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, that's to be determined. They'll probably <laughs> make both of them. Probably, eventually. But we don't know which one's coming first. Sweet. That's really exciting. Yeah, he, wrote, he wrote two scripts for Fury Road as well, didn't he? Yeah, and they kind of got mashed together. Yeah. So maybe so that might happen, happen again. Yeah. But we do know he's not expecting to do it for a couple of years because it was not an easy shoot. And he's like, I want to go off and do something short and not effects driven. Yeah. And, you know, let Tom Hardy and, and, uh, and Shelley Theron, like, you know, recover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness me. That's a really, really, like, a fascinating way of working, I guess. As in getting, sorry, <laughs> instead of like the two scripts and mashing it together, I wonder how he did it. Basic, well, the idea is you get one script in one car and then you put another script in another <laughs> car and then you drive them really fast at one another and then the camera will will cut for like a brief second of someone's eyes bulging out of their head and then the Whatever two cars walks away together. from the collision is the film you make. Yeah. <laughs> That's an excellent idea. Right? I it, hope that happens. It, it worked in Mad Max. It worked <laughs> in Road Warrior. It worked in Fury Road. Did anyone drive into anyone in... in there uh, was uh, no head-on collision in Fury Road. Was there not? Nope. No. What about um, Nux? Oh, no. The, no. The, I think there was, wasn't there? No, I mean, there wasn't the... In the other three films, the bad guy is taken out by a head-on collision. Yeah, yeah, it's all, all so the same, isn't it? The it's climactic head-on collision didn't exist in Fury Road. Ah. Perhaps. Because it, was it wasn't like Max's movie. The big collision at the end is more of a shunt, because it's, it's Nox going into the back. Of it's, people, yeah, it? it's the... Um, Oh no! I, I, I like the the top the the funnel, isn't it? Yeah. When they they're going in and yeah, and, and that's not the end of Immortan. The end of Immortan Joe is when he gets his face ripped off. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's, that's true. That's something, that's of a, true. That's something of a head-on collision, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> well, head-on head-off we'll collision. Yeah. We'll talk more about this when we oh. do Mad Max again. We will. Yes. Next week. Well, two weeks. Well, next episode. But whatever. Just looking into this new Jungle Book. This was Christopher Walken's first Disney movie since the the Country Bears. Bears. The fuck? <laughs> oh god, I'm so looking forward to this. For those who don't, who don't know, just watch it. Yeah, what the Country Bears? Yeah, 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 just watch it. Just watch it. That's all I'm saying. That is the weirdest fucking film. It I'm is weird. Just because I've never seen Christopher Walken play a role straight, <laughs> except for that film. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. Define playing it straight because he sort of tried a little bit in Pulp Fiction. Like he, he's really in a lot of films he does where it's supposed to be a gritty, dark role. He like chews the scenery and he's completely bug nuts. <laughs> Pulp Fiction to a lesser degree, totally. But Country Bear Jamboree, he plays it with the sort of intense seriousness you would expect of the RSC. <laughs> As he threatens people in giant bear costumes. <laughs> yes. That's actually And really gives true. this deep, gruff monologue about why he hates them. <laughs> yeah. 
and why he will exact revenge on them. <laughs> yes. It's yeah. The color leaves his eyes when he talks to the. So <laughs> weird. Maybe maybe it's because he was thinking, "What the fuck am I doing?" Whilst he was filming it. That happens a lot. Remember Jiggly? No, no. no I don't know what that is. Oh, say it again. It's terrible. It's a bad film. Jiggly. Yes. I've uh, never heard uh, of what's it. What's his name? Uh, ben Affleck and uh, b- 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 what was her name? <laughs> what was her name? Ben Affleck. Uh, I'm just leaving you hanging right now because it's so yeah. much fun. I can't remember. But basically, yeah, um, Christopher Walken's in it and he's giving a, again, he's in it very briefly and has a, a, a long monologue that just in the middle of it, just he just stops and starts going on about pie. Huh. He's just in the middle of this monologue about like DAs and, and like... The, the pie bit is terrible. It's so weird because he's just talking about like the district attorney and like how to get out of this and like, oh, the district attorney's going to be breathing fire up your ass, all that sort of stereotypical stuff. And then in the middle of it, just goes... You know what I really want? It's a nice big bowl of pie. You know? Put some ice cream on there. Mmm, good! <laughs> Put some on your head! Your tongue would lick your brains out trying to get to it. Shot! What? And then goes away! And I'm like... <laughs> I think that's... What? He made a decision. He did. He it was decision. a bold decision. <laughs> you know, he, he took made it a direction. He made it's a walk. Exactly. Like, and as we know, it's not a sure like fire path. <laughs> I, I like to think that he he looked around him and he saw the film that he was making, and he was like, "I'm going to be remembered <laughs> for being the guy who was aware of what he was doing in this yeah. fucking film." Because <laughs> it was it was a it was a Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez movie Jennifer around Lopez the time when Benefer were burying films. I kept nearly saying Jennifer Aniston. I was like, no, 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 not that one. But no, I think the film we're always, Rob and I will always remember him with is going to be The Dead Zone. I was about to ask the, about The Dead Zone. The, 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 mini, like, the miniseries. Yes. yes. Which is just Christopher Walken reacting weirdly to people touching him. See that? Is it a miniseries? Did it they was put a, it all together? Yeah, though? they like, did, like, didn't they? Uh, yeah, that's like the copy it. I have. Yes. Or, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Or the sh- not the Shining. Well, they did do a Shining miniseries, but like Salem's Lot was a miniseries. Uh, the Stand was a miniseries. Yeah. It was a miniseries. And, and uh, The Dead Zone, which is about a man who has a near-death experience and then gets the power to tell when people are going to die by touching them. I love that film. It's yeah. a bit shit. And it has like it has like the there's an option, isn't there, to watch the scissors scene? There's like oh, the, the, cut, guy, the yeah, guy who kills himself a, with scissors. Yeah. Oh my god, it ooh, mm. that is not pleasant. But it's it's a good concept. Yeah, but then it's Stephen it's, King. It's a good film. I just I just love it because like occasionally people come and just like clap Chris Walken on the shoulder like when they walk past him. <laughs> yes. And he always has the same reaction, which is to double take every every time anyone like just pats him on the shoulder like, hey buddy, how you doing? And he will just like, he'll look at them and then in an instant will just snap his head down looking in absolute shock at his own shoulder and then look back up at them completely normal again. Yeah. Oh my God. As though he's just been possessed by a very brief shoulder-based demon. <laughs> It's God bless that man. Yeah, that, I would. I would heartily recommend that film to anyone. If I would, but <laughs> I would still recommend it, just not heartily. I just think, yeah, true, true. It's uh, it's just interesting. It's a it? gem. It's it a gem. It's uh, it. There's nothing else like it. Yeah. So Kirby in the chat room is asking if uh, any of us have seen the trailer for Crimson Peak. No. Oh. Oh. Um. 
Yes, I think I've, I keep seeing it like over the over the top of my laptop when it's on the TV, and I keep going, "Shit, that looks scary." Yeah, I'm in. Huh. I have no idea what it is. It's the first actually I've heard of the name. It's it. It looks scary. Is that the one with Tom Hiddleston in it? Possibly, yes. It's got some big names attached to it. Um, Give me a moment. I think I saw something, and I think it was Tom Hiddleston, but I could be wrong. I don't know what it's about, though. Your Melo uh, del Toro, I suppose that's why he's interested. Ah, uh, okay. He does good horror. He, he's just a good filmmaker, really. He's oh, yeah. Top notch. But he does very good horror. Oh, yes. Uh, Tom Hiddleston, Jessica Chastain, Charlie Hunnam. Oh, Doug Jones. Oh, of course, it's del toro yeah <laughs> if he wasn't there we'd be more surprised yeah that's true uh i don't i don't think i recognize any of the other names but still yeah it, oh it, it looks proper it looked proper scary based on what i saw from the, like uh. five seconds of trailers i was like Ugh. and it's rated r yep that's good and it's all about like um from what I, again from what i can tell from the trailers it's all about like people leaving stains on areas that, like, become, you know, hauntings are basically just, like, uh, the land reacting to horrible things that have happened, like, psychic imprints and stuff, so much like The Shining. Yeah, I was going to say Overlook, which is getting a prequel series, did you know? Really? Yeah. There is a series about the history of the Overlook Hotel. I hope not only that it doesn't answer any of the questions we have in The Shining, but that it poses more frustrating questions. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be a... Yeah, that would be a good... Yeah, because if you... You couldn't explain it, really, could you? Well, I guess it's one of those things that's open to interpretation. We're talking about the the Kubrick film, rather than... I suppose, actually, yeah. uh, I think I am. I, I... um, I have read The Shining. It's not as good as it's not as good as the Kubrick film. I I think I prefer the film. Yeah, but I so the film was a big part of like my fucking discovery of like good horror. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? And weird directors. Weird, really less, weird. Less Kubrick, but man, that was a he was an odd man. He liked torturing people. <laughs> he, well, he liked torturing um, a lot of the people on the, on the, on that. Uh, set, but not the kid. No, no, no. He didn't let the kid um, like see any of the the sort of violent or horrifying scenes. Well, that's good of him. And like you know, just kept basically showing him different things whenever like he came and was asking about certain things. So the kid thought he was making a completely different film. Really? No, and he never saw The Shining until he was like nineteen. <laughs> ah, this actually explains quite a lot. Oh my goodness me. This explains why Shelley Duvall started losing her hair towards the end of that shoot. <laughs> oh my god. Bless. Oh, Shelley oh Duvall. Oh my god. She took a knock. She did. Well, they were, she was there for a year. Mm. She was on set for a year. She got so stressed out by um, Kubrick yelling at her all the time. She was like vomiting and losing all her hair. Oh my goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> Great directors of our time, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Great film, though. <laughs> well, you know, I, this is the thing. There's like some of the best films out there, some of the best directors out there have done some really, really terrible things. Look at the making of Apocalypse Now. Yeah. yeah. Well, was it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, was, which Sheen was it? Martin. It was Martin, Martin Sheen. I was like, it was, it was way too early for Charlie, but it's like, um, <laughs> where he essentially had a heart attack. Thank you, mate. He essentially had a really? heart attack on set. Fucking hell! And 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 uh, they were just like, well, if we sell people, then they'll pull the fund. Well, they won't pull the funding, but they'll pull Martin Sheen and you know, fly him out of the Philippines. 
which, by the way, was going under a civil war at the time. And basically the government let them film there by going, yes, come over here and give us some money and we'll let you use some of our helicopters and stuff like that. So there was actually a civil war going on. So whilst they were sleeping, there was gunshots and explosions going off in the distance. They were in an actual war zone. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Martin Sheen had a heart attack and they basically just went, yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll sort of just, just, just hold it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fine. And they said, oh no, they said it's, it's heat stroke, it's heat stroke, he'll be fine. And that was after um, Francis Ford Coppola had literally imprisoned him in a room for a while <laughs> to get the opening shots of him looking totally stir crazy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to make you look stir crazy. <laughs> I'm just going to leave you in this room for, <laughs> for days time without anything. And there's also, like, I don't know if it's a For days? It was a long time. Yeah. Holy shit. I don't, also, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, but the amount of times that bloody... Um, oh, what's this? I, I'm losing everyone's names today. Um, Stan, Stan Lee from, from Streetcar Named Desire. Oh, Marlon Brando. Yeah. Like Marlon Brando going off script and going all crazy. I don't know if that was a, an apocryphal story. It, or... it is the, the classic story, whether it's apocryphal or not, I don't know, is that the reason Martin Sheen does such a convincing, terrified in that whole scene is because he was tied up. And Brando was way off script, <laughs> just, just babbling, babbling poetry at him whilst sort of looming in the dark. Yeah, you're, no, I, I do all, know this you're story. An boy, so uh, by oh stock cloaks. And it's just like, what? I mean, they, they didn't yes. hire fat Brando for that movie. They hired Brando, and then he turns up huge. So yeah. all of the shots of Kurtz had to be done using shadow and indirect. Yeah. So they made him look like a giant of a man. Um, they make him look like he was lost. pretty big. But yeah, yeah terrifying. It's, a, it's a, like for a film to be remembered simply for a shot of Marlon Brando just dragging his hands off the top of his like bald head. That's what I always remember from that. Do you know what I remember from that film? Um, Ride of the Valkyries? No. <laughs> Gone. Nothing. I've never seen it. What? I've never seen Apocalypse Now. What? Zoe's almost seen it. Although <laughs> it was quite fun. When we got to Brando, yeah. his his poetry was so soporific it lulled her to sleep. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, I've got a brilliant idea for a Christmas present for you. <laughs> <laughs> Marlon Brando's lullabies. It's, oh, oh my god. <laughs> the speeches of Marlon Brando set to soothing ukulele music. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. I, I was making her watch Redux at like three in the morning, so it seemed isn't, only fair. Isn't the Redux like twelve hours long? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need to watch that film. I do actually have the Redux. I, 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 I really, I, I really urge you to. It, it's um, it's amazing. You know what it's based off as well, right? The Heart Darkness. The, yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah. Like. It, it, it's a oh man this is a fantastic film there's a wonderful book called Into the Heart of Darkness about the filming of Apocalypse Now oh, yeah God. I've heard of that I bet there's a lot in there the, well the, the filming of it is a story in of itself as you say with the war zone and everything like and there's weird parallels because uh, it's actually one of Larry Fishburne's I think it's his first cinematic role he lied to about his age to get into it didn't he yeah and he played a character who lied about his age to get into the army <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> Because he was like, what, 16 at the time? Something like that, yeah. yeah. And after that, he went from that to bloody uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, wow. It was Cowboy Curtis. Well, you have to do, you know, jumps. 
That man's had a weird career progression. Yeah, really yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just Apocalypse Now, uh-huh. Pee Wee's Playhouse, then through like the Matrix. I'm, I'm skipping over some, but through the Matrix into CSI, into Hannibal, marrying Gina Torres along the way, like. <laughs> What the hell? I love the Matrix is just slapped there in the middle, really. Yeah. It's like, oh, and the Matrix. I'm, you know what? I haven't watched that in so long. I, I it, The first one, oh my goodness me, it's artful. I want to do a Matrix uh, marathon because I keep doing marathons. Like, no matter how good or bad the film, each individual film is, mm. I like doing marathons. So I, I, I should do. Include the Animatrix in that marathon. Or yes. at least most of them. Uh, I'm Actually, trying to remember. All, uh, to be honest, it's a long time since I've seen Matrix, the final but I remember enjoying the Osiris it. because it's the one that actually narratively fits between the films. Yep, um, that's true. Um, so, so does um, Kid Story as well. Yep, Kid Story as does End of the Matrix. End of the Matrix, the video game. That yeah. was a sequel, wasn't it? Oh no, it's a prequel, wasn't it? No sequel. Was it? Yeah. End of the Matrix fits narratively between the two. Yeah, because um, you do the car chase, don't you? So when you drive up, oh, it's, sorry, I, that's I when of, um, she actually turns up. Morpheus. I, I was thinking of Matrix Online. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, Matrix Online is a direct continuation of the story, but Enter the Matrix is a sequel to The Matrix, the Matrix. Yeah. which uh, parallels the final flight of the Osiris because you pick up their final report, yeah, and yeah. then runs parallel along half of Matrix Reloaded. With you as the ghost, uh, sorry, with you as the, the crew of, it's not the Nebuchadnezzar, that's the one in Matrix. Oh, because there is, no, there's obviously the Osiris, the one. Yeah. The, oh, what is it? It's, um. But it is, it's Ghost of Niobe. The, yeah, 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 Ghost of Niobe. And um, I can't remember their programmer's name, not the, oh, neither can I. The pilot. I literally just remember those two. Uh, oh, God. What? Ve- <laughs> Vector. <laughs> Oh, God, they have some cool... God damn it, everyone in Matrix had such a cool name. They all did. And they... Mouse. Oh, and <laughs> Mouse, yeah. But look what happens to Mouse. It's fine. Mouse was a badass, let's be honest. Not like this. That's, um... Switch. Yeah. Yeah. Switch, APOC, Mouse. Switch, APOC. Um, Tank, Dozer. Tank and Dozer. Tank and Dozer. Oh, my Sasha. goodness me. We're just naming characters from the Matrix. This Man, are you enjoying the show? <laughs> enjoying the show. <laughs> Actually, do you know, I have had feedback from people regarding the last show. We have gotten people into Wikdiv, at least one listener, then sort of read all 14 issues the next day after listening oh. to us. <laughs> oh, that? wow! We had an effect! Wait, I'm sorry, what? We have a listener? What? <laughs> that, that was Ari. Who, who just completely absorbed herself in it the next day. And Hi, if you're listening, I'm, I'm glad to have ruined your life because the next issue isn't out until next week. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now up to date. I'm not. <laughs> I am. I am. Do you see what Welcome, I mean about Jack. Woden? Welcome. <laughs> Does it make you think about Woden a bit more, though? But the shit he has to go through. Bless him. He's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> not, no, he's not a god. Where I'm not going with this. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, he's very specifically not a saint. He's a god, not a saint. Um, mm. um, oh, and speaking of TV adaptations, Watchmen is apparently going to HBO, or there are talks. Anyway, yes, I've heard of this. Yes. Right. Huh. But, uh, hmm. 
HBO are getting on the superhero market. I guess after Game of Thrones, they're looking for another long-running serial. Yeah. And if they start with the original Minutemen, as is one of the rumours, then they could have a long-running serial. Yeah. I mean, mentioning Game of Thrones there is worrying me because I can totally imagine someone at HBO looking at Watchmen and going, you know what this needs? It's more non-consensual sex. Yeah. (laughs) There's a bit in Game of Thrones, yeah. There's a bit more than in the books. Yeah, there is. There and, is, and you know what? There's some in Watchmen, so there's there, there could is. be more. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what worries me. But I'm like, you know what? I'm 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 casting worries about something that is now like not even in pre-production yet. Yeah, I don't think they've even secured the rights yet. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Although my reaction was very similar to yours. Was oh dear. Yeah, I mean HBO do some really good stuff, but at the same time, uh... yeah, yeah, there is that aspect definitely. But yeah, I mean, so has anyone been to the cinema? <laughs> I've not. No. I've not. Ever. I want to. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> what's it like? I meant to say since the last episode. Please tell me, what's it like? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've not, but you have, haven't you? I have. Without me. Yes. I was I really can, upset. Right, the thing about... <laughs> thing about that is that I can go again with you. Yeah, but you know, but you know, sometimes it's nice to, you know, just, you know, discover something together, you know. It, except it was Macbeth. We can't really discover it together. Yes, we can. It's Michael Fassbender doing Macbeth. Was it good? Eh, have you seen Macbeth before? Yes. And I can't recommend it. Okay. No, go on. I'm not it's, actually too annoyed. It's, I, I, it's you know, I mean, like, it was good in this way that we sort of look at it and go it's going to be it's a Macbeth movie it's going to be Macbeth yeah it's it, it literally does I was thinking if I had to say it does nothing new it does one or two little interesting choices of things but doesn't really I, I can't like if you already this is the thing is if you already know Macbeth mm. don't bother going and seeing it really because it doesn't add anything new mm. If you haven't, if you don't know anything about Macbeth, don't go and watch it because the combination of Shakespearean language, which some people might have a problem with, and the mumbling will mean you will not understand a fucking thing that's going on. That's the, it's, that is always a problem with Shakespeare, though. It's yeah. the fact that, you know, you either try and do something new with it, which I'm afraid to say is next to impossible now. The amount of time Shakespeare has been done, like, is ridiculous. Um but then if you don't if you go if you don't go too far the other way either, then you just end up, like you say, doing basically the same thing everyone else has yeah. done. So it's a, it's it's terrifying. You might remember this. <laughs> what what's, what was the name of that? It was either a film or a TV series that was a a, a modern retelling of Macbeth that it was all about like Scottish crime families and stuff. Oh fucking hell, what yes. Was that called? Oh my god. Was that during that? Was it during that festival because uh, that the BBC did? Because I remember, I think Billy Piper was in. Um, I, I think it's older than. Oh, was it, was it older? I, than I think that? it's quite old. I think it's like eighties or seventies. I remember the. Oh, oh, okay, fair enough. Because I remember the BBC did like a big long festival with like different sort of modern day adaptations of Shakespeare. They were pretty good, in fairness. Short, like they had to obviously cut them, but you know that's not always a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing I will say is that everyone in that everyone in the film was really, 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 really. Really, really good in the film. Yeah, um, there was not a bad actor in that. But you said lots of mumbling. There's a bit of mumbling just because it's all grim, dark, and grey, and just everyone's really fucking sad. 
But then, you know, oh, yeah. it's like, what is it, 14th century Scotland? Everyone was basically <laughs> sad in 14th century yeah. Scotland. Like, oh, dear me. And I just realised the futility of you just typing Macbeth into Wikipedia because that's going <laughs> to take you a while. The only modern Macbeth TV adaptation the BBC had anything to do with I can think of is one I didn't see because it sounded too silly, and that was James McAvoy's Macbeth the Chef. <gasps> <laughs> See, I've heard James McAvoy's played it a few times, like on the stage. I've never heard of that. Like, no, he apparently literally he was literally a chef called Macbeth, but a colleague Duncan was getting all the credit. And oh, like, <laughs> this sounds so weird. Oh my goodness me! I'm imagining it like filth. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking through it. Like, no, 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 like the film filth. Well, it, it can't have been Joe Macbeth because that's <sighs> well, that's the one with the chef. Oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, I guess I'll never remember. The, the, again, well, I guess there is a feast. It makes sense that he could be a chef. <laughs> I, see, I have also seen the Akira Kurosawa adaptation of Macbeth because he had a real thing for yeah, you were telling me about this. converting uh, Shakespeare, which is very popular in Japan, into mm-hmm. samurai films. Which so, is a genius idea. Uh, you got Throne of Blood, which is it's all black and white. It's very, very slow. Like Literally half that film is people on horses riding into fog and then riding back onto the camera again. It's... it's very weird and quite boring in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but really kind of creepy and really mixes together well like the old stuff. So you've got like the witch has that whole completely blank white makeup face with her oh. eyebrows shaved off and the two dots painted in it. Like the old sort of um, yeah. Edo period beauty standard, which is just really kind of scary to look at now with modern eyes. Uh, and also, <laughs> what with modern eyes? You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Uh, and also like, uh, you know, no, no, it no man of woman born shall harm Macbeth. It's like, yeah, no man kills him. Like twenty men kill him. He gets peppered with like three thirty thousand fucking arrows. What Macbeth? Yeah, I swear. Um, in uh, Akira Kurosawa. Oh, oh, in that one. Oh, okay, in, in, in Throne of yeah, Blood. Yeah. Oh, you also, you also did uh, King Lear when he did Ran. Yes, which is the one that has like three billion extras in it. They all had to learn their. Yeah. They all had to learn <laughs> a bunch all... of lines and had to memorize yeah. their character's biography. It's like. <laughs> Am I even in this film? Yeah, you're right at the back of that crowd at 200 people. Am I I getting paid enough for all this extra effort? Shut up and go live in your period house. Exactly. It's like, oh my goodness me. Don't argue with that man. Yeah. Shut up, go live in your period house for three days and learn your your fictional character's family genealogy. Oh my goodness me. (laughs) Go and be a farmer for a fucking month. Yeah. So there you go. Um... I saw Macbeth. That was the day after Saturday. And Saturday, my mum got married. Yeah, how was that, man? That was good. No, no one was embarrassing. No one was embarrassing. No one was embarrassing. Really? Yeah. Result. I know. It was. It was incredible. Loving you. you. Not even me. Not even me. Wow. I was very quiet and subdued. <laughs> was that because of the gin? I, can, I, can, I, 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 I did admittedly because I was the only one of my brothers present who wasn't an usher. I did kept getting asked. Get out of the way of the photos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. That's really funny. That's pretty harsh. That's yeah. harsh. <laughs> my um, goodness me. It was in Born on the Water, wasn't it? Yes. Did you see Brum? No. I saw a lot of tourists. Yeah. Tourists flooded the church whilst we were queuing up outside to go in for the, <laughs> wedding, for the wedding. And then we were like, uh, guys. Where's your invite? And they looked at us and just went, one moment, one moment. And we were just taking photos of everything. And I'm like, huh. Ah. Wow. And then, and then when we were all going in, sitting down, they wandered in and were just taking photos of everything. On the inside, like, guys. Get out. 
Holy hell! You know, I'm like, guys, you know what? Just for that, when I go to Kyoto later on this year, I'm going to take all the photos of Inari Taisha. <laughs> if someone's going to be getting married, I'm going to take all the photos I want. That is the weirdest thing. Like, intruders. Like, oh my goodness me. <laughs> ah, a wedding. How charming. I must photograph it. <laughs> I mean, they, they, I'm just going to stand here and take a picture they mobbed, <laughs> they mobbed the groom. They mobbed my stepdad and just, like, like had t- photos with him. Like... <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Who are these people? Born on the, born on the water has a very large, like, uh, it does really, really well with Japanese tourism. Oh, yeah? Which I didn't know until I went there. I was like, it's really big for tourism, yeah. yeah. No, no, very specifically Japanese tourists. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? I, I don't know why. Why Borton? There's nothing there. There's a river. Brum is there. No, he wasn't. I didn't Brum. see him. <laughs> he is. He there's is a, there. There's a He's there somewhere. It, which is why it's called the Venice of the Cotswolds. <laughs> which, to be fair, I <laughs> think sad. really, really undersells Venice. It's just a river. It's not even that. It's, it, it, it's it, a brook. It, it, it's a brook. It's just a very wide brook. Yep. It's very pretty. It's very pretty. Very pretty, but there's nothing there. No. Well, there's antique shops and there's the Hornby Railway Shop. Really? There is a Hornby railway shop you, there you know that I more, used to go to. You, you know more about my like family's like homeland now than it's I It's not just Borton. It's a Cotswolds thing. So much so that there are parts of the Cotswolds that have signs for public transport in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> really? How did I not know this? But How did I, I yeah, like I, I, I know it's like definitely like I, I know what you mean, but I just assumed it was just general tourists, like specifically Japanese yeah. tourists. Hmm. It's really weird. Like I Hang on, we, we, we have someone from the Cotswolds here. What, yes. what are, the, what are things I, like in... Well, we're all from the bloody Cotswolds. Well, you know what I mean. We're all from, no, the, no, Cotswolds. We're all from the Cotswolds, but only one of us is from, you know, the Cotswolds. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> <in> London. <laughs> what do you mean? Elaborate. Well, I was going to say, what was it like? Did you have a lot of tourists in, what was it, Stowe? In, in Chelsea, <laughs> where did it come from? No. <laughs> oh. Okay, never mind. We're talking about Bonner Water. I did go to Bonner Water, Stowe, and... Stonewall a lot of signs. My grandparents took me there. Uh, yes, there's a lot of tourists and a lot of signs over the years did develop into you know having Japanese, German stuff because just the sheer amount of tourists going there. Yeah, yeah. Like huh. I used to like go like we used to go visit my nan who lives in Banbury and Born on the Wall is on the way. Yeah. So a lot of the time we stop off. Um but yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't realise they had signs though. That's crazy. That's Huh. At an exhibition of British culture in Osaka last year, uh, as of the publication of the article I'm reading, Japanese people spent £1.5 million on products relating to the Cotswolds. In, uh, what's going on? I'm so <laughs> confused. What, is what the fuck is going on? I think I can ask this oh. it's quintessential British. Uh, Japanese-born Juri Miwaki, who owns Juri's Tea Rooms in Winchcombe, said English culture fascinated many Japanese people. She said, many Japanese ladies come here as they're so interested in England's baking heritage and getting recipes. That, I mean, yeah, you could definitely, the Cotswolds, a lot of it, like, yeah. Also, is it not the perfect setting for, like, an Agatha Christie kind of novel? I think it is. No, I don't know. A a place where you have a population of 200 and yet you still somehow manage to have a murder every week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like Midsummer, yes. Mm. Stupid people, move away. <laughs> that's like asking well, why anyone still lives wasn't in Gotham. That fascinating. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that's true. Well, Did you say Gotham? Yeah. 
I would live in Gotham. Screw it. Would you? Yeah. Why? It would be I love this. Stupid people of Midsummer, move away. I would voluntarily live in the home of the Joker. <laughs> that is true. But I, I would get to see the Joker. Uh, <laughs> right? You'd hope not to. Good thing. I, of course I'd hope not actually, to. You know I what? would actually just live in the hope of seeing Batman, if I'm honest. We've ha- I, 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 either I'm having weird deja vu, or we have had this conversation before, and we decided that the only way we could de- guarantee that we would see Batman is if we started committing crimes. <laughs> would it be worth it? I think maybe. And the trouble is, even if you started committing crimes, you're not going to guarantee that you'll see Batman. You might just see one of the Robins. You might see... Uh, bat wing or bat woman or bat girl. You might. You guarantee you're going to see bat Batman. Showed up, I'd be like, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> the bat family are off for the day. You might see Bane. I should be fair. Bat wing is pretty cool. Oh my goodness, yeah. yeah, Bat Bane. That would be the unluckiest time. You're like, "Oh no, it's, Batman's going to get me." I don't know. It's Bat Bane. Uh, oh, you're getting deja vu because I like talking about. You Batman. might see the Riddler when he's on his meds and being a detective. Oh yeah. Or, uh, oh, what, what Jean-Paul Valet? I don't oh. see Jean-Paul Valet. Oh, no, oh, that would yeah. be the worst. I'm committing a crime so I can see Batman. Why is there a sword in here? Jesus <laughs> is telling me to do this. And Jesus. You, you might, according to current timeline, see Jim Gordon in a robot suit. What? Yeah, man. I'm sorry, what? That is simultaneously great and stupid. Because Jim Gordon is currently Mecha Batman. Yeah, I think it's Batman Endgame that Batman is fucking dead. Again. So, again. Again? So Jim Gordon is Batman in a robot suit. All right. We've... Okay, Batman died. Now we're resetting everything. It's the new 52. Batman died. Okay, now we're... Re- like, get rid of the new 52 thing. That was that, was, that just didn't work. Batman's dead. God, stop killing Batman! Basically, <laughs> it doesn't take... Collapses when Batman dies. And he doesn't even die! Yeah. He just gets shot back in time and becomes a caveman. You know, the more I think about it, the more it's I realise so... Batman is really stupid. No, it's not. No, no, Batman is really stupid, but it's filled with really fascinating character studies of villains, and that's why we read it. There exactly. There we go. Yeah, that's But he true. did get shot back in he time and crazy. became a caveman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah who yeah, wore yeah. a giant cave bat. He's a crazy man who dresses up like a flying rodent. He dresses yes, up in fetish gear. He dresses up in fetish gear and goes out at night to beat up the mentally ill. Yeah. 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 There you go. That's why we like it. <laughs> Let's swing this back onto a happy note. Batman's happy. Speaking of going out at night and trying to save, like, you know, stop crime yeah. and going horribly wrong. Yeah. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I think I Simon don't. does based on his chuckle. <laughs> I, I don't. Let's go fight crime, Jonah. He was definitely a murderer. Yeah, he's definitely a murderer. Who is? The guy that we fought crime against. Oh, yeah. So that, that weird segue that will only make sense to the hosts. We can't, we can't just go with that, can we? That is such an in-joke segue. Exactly. <laughs> like, they're going to be like, Jonah? Like, they're like, are they talking? Is it? Oh, God. Is this a Bible episode? Oh, we should do a Bible episode. We should do a Bible episode. Oh. Let's not do a Bible episode. World 1 Stage 1 Bible Studies. <laughs> Uh, that's like a little like I don't know actually I don't know what I was doing with that um, it was uh, I'm, I'm glad you stopped yeah, yeah it's fine it's fine it was a like river dance song there we go so it was river dance sword, uh, no not river dance um, songs of praise I don't remember the what name what the fuck is happening I, right now don't worry it's fine I'm having a meltdown <laughs> never mind what were we talking about 
Um, it's a pure mention of the name of Jonah just destroyed you, Rob. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, who here knows what a role-playing game is? I don't. Please explain it to me. Let me go and grab one of my 10,000 role-play game books and let me find the first chapter, which is always inevitably, what is a role-playing game? Also, I think it's worth explaining at this point, we don't mean RPGs in video games. We're talking about the thing you do with dice. And books. And your imagination. And little models. Right. <clears throat> the following section is common to many role-playing games and missing from this one. For example, what is a role-playing game? Oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> I, I picked up Lacuna. If you don't Good know call. the answer to this question, either you should put this book down or have someone else in the know explain the activity to you. <laughs> well, <laughs> bad, bad first example. Um, oh, brilliant first example. We have already gone over what a role-playing game is before. But there is. We did an introduction to role-playing games, didn't we? I, I believe so. So this episode is really going to be us sitting around the bar table of our minds. Of our minds. The collective imagination bar table. The Imaginarium. And swap stories. Drinking stories. Yes. Sorry, that's me taking one last victory sip. That was a grand sip. Everyone's got an almost got Batman story, and I happen to know that mine's the best. <laughs> <laughs> but why don't you guys go first? Nah. <laughs> Good start. I'm not going first. Oh. I didn't realise it was going to be a competition. Oh, it's not I, a competition. I thought we were going to fondly kind we are of. Fondly, f- fondly fondling. <laughs> fondly fondling. Fondling our memories. Goodness me. Okay, here's a good way to start. Um, we're going to start by doing this. What is your first memory of playing a role-playing game? What was the first thing you played, and what was your first character? Do you remember? I do. I, re- I, I do. remember. I do. Okay, Irish, I you remember. start first. Start well, my first. first. My first character was myself. No way. Oh, my God, yes. Yep. Yeah, it was. The fir- Go on. The first, the first game I ever played was uh, All Flesh Was Be Eaten. The zombie RP. Explain what that is. It's a zombie role-playing game in which you, when you go to when character creation, you create yourself. So, you know, you make it so that <coughs> your character knows, you know, your character will have the knowledge that you have, the strength that you have, and so on and so on. You know, you make yourself and you play the game to see how far you would survive in a zombie apocalypse. That, that's one way you do it, which is specifically the way I ran that game, which is everyone yes. themselves, and the game starts with you all sitting in the living room playing a game of All Flesh Must Be Eaten, when suddenly there's a tapping at the door, and fuck, it's a zombie! Go! You see, I've heard, I, I remember you telling me about this before, and I actually have a mate who's trying to make a game exactly like this. Mm-hmm. He wants it to start like, it's like a Halloween thing that he's going to run. It's a really, it's a, I think which I will centre around his work, yeah. uh, their place of work or whatever, and they'll all play it. Um, and I was trying to think of what was, this was called. All Flesh Must Be Eaten. All Flesh it's Must Be Eaten. It's a really good game. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really good. kind of break that one though, by going, right, my car is downstairs. Yep. It, it's got a heavy photographer's equipment in the back that we can use as impromptu clubs. <laughs> I, I know where the armories are. Uh, yep. Both of the schools that have armories. 
Uh, I know the codes to one of them, so we can steal firearms. I also know where But Simon, how well did it do some of your team members to have weaponry in the form of firearms? I mean, I would say it literally backfired, but no, the, the guns definitely fired forwards. Um, yep. It was just unfortunate in some cases. It went through my face! <laughs> We found out exactly what we, we answered that age old question. What would happen to you in a zombie apocalypse? And what we found out is that Irish's wife shot him in the face. <laughs> I survived. You did. <laughs> you did. And you got a cool bitching scar for the rest of your life. Like, that you, I did. <laughs> in the inevitable sequel that never happened, where you guys like launched the offensive back on England from France. Uh, where we escaped because I also knew where light aircraft was stored. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where did you go? France. Was it Stansted? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And That's then, so cool. And <laughs> started, and they to France, taking patient zero with them. Yep. Ah. Yeah, it was me. They didn't know oh, I was terribly wrong. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> well, I wasn't a zombie up to carry you. A cat, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, so that's Irish's. Simon, what is your first memory of a role playing game and what was your first character? Oh, they are two completely separate things. My first memory is actually when I was in primary school. Yeah. I ran no rules, completely improv RPG games for a few of my friends. Oh, that's awesome. Um, we didn't even know what like, D&D was or anything. It no. was just something we'd come up entirely on our own. Completely <laughs> new invention. Um, oh, that's so cool. They were largely set in the 40k universe because that was what we were all obsessed with. Oh, so and that was you- really fun. You kind of found you you discovered a niche really that you wanted to exist and Fantasy just made it happen. That's and, so and just cool. did it. Yeah, but my first character was a uh, anti tributoriador vampire named Zia. Zia was your first character. Are you yes. You no, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> For those listening. First- we, we will explain Zia I'll, I'll about, and so the whole setting for, of it. For, the, for those of you who haven't played Old Vampire... I mean, it took a while to get her to the point she was when you met her. But still, she reached that point. Uh, Why Tor- don't we explain the game, okay. that game? Then? So, specifically, Torridor vampires are stereotypically your Anne Rice vampires. They are your, your tortured artists and, and, and lovies. This is in the world of darkness, Seth. Yeah. Which is basically uh, a, a contemporary world where all the things that go bump in the night are real. It's like awesome. this world, but even grimmer. Yeah. Um, and the Toreador have their, their particular weakness, which is that uh, they become obsessed with a particular form of beauty, whether that be paintings or sculptures or music or beautiful people or, you know, sunrises. Beautiful sunrises. And that does happen to a few of them, yeah. Yep. And when they see the object of their affection, they are completely overcome and, and can't break away from it. They have to literally be taken away from it. They're just mm. overcome. They have to experience it. So obviously the sunlight one, bit of a problem. Hey, Simon, what was, uh, what was Zia's, uh, you know, penchant? Well, initially it was dance. This oh. is something that you don't know about her, but that was actually a dementation she picked up somewhere along the way. Oh. Uh, she started... My first game where I was a player in RPGs was actually a full Giovanni Chronicles. Huh. And that's where Zia comes from. Oh. So my first campaign spanned, like, all of recorded history. It was a big one. 
And yeah. uh, Zia started off as a patron of dance. Uh, she really liked watching dancers. But along the way, she became more and more evil, uh, lost more and more humanity, because that is one of the fundamental mechanics of World of Darkness. You embrace the monster more. And eventually she became uh, deranged and became entra- uh, entranced and obsessed with the art of torture. She saw it as an art form in and of itself and enjoyed it and reveled in it. <laughs> uh, that's the Zia we all know and love! Well, the Zia you know and love was the one where she was at the very end of days, shortly before Gehenna, the vampire apocalypse, and had joined a Lilithan cult to try and raise one of the original demons to end the Earth, and began the day by richly scarifying herself in, uh, was it Aramaic or... It was certainly an ancient language. Yeah. Um, because, of course, in the world of darkness, vampires heal all wounds every night. So she had to rescar herself every morning or every evening. Yeah. So either, you know, she was totally into this or she was really good at acting. She was very, very good at pretending she was into it. No, she wasn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Zia still scares the shit out of me. She's one of those characters that just. Funny enough, all the characters I think of when I go, man, that character terrified me. That character terrified me. They're all fucking Simons! <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You can't be terrified by all of my characters, though, because in the same. World of Darkness is the system I've played more than any other. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's gotten to the point where the old World of Darkness mechanics were so familiar to me and so well known that I started playing around with them to make characters that would be interesting to me and quite different to what I'd played before. And one of them was a, a 13th generation who are, they are the thin bloods. They're so far removed from vampirism that they're barely even vampires. Well, that's, that's 14th gen, 13th Sorry. gen, start off with in uh, regular masquerade. That's right, yes, 14th yeah. generation thin blood. Uh, and you can take various sort of merits and flaws to modify your character when you're creating them to add a little flavor, usually. Uh, but I picked a very specific set. Uh, my character had uh, a flaw that he uh, didn't... He had a cursed bite. He couldn't close the wound after he'd fed. He didn't have protruding fangs to bite. So he had to tear the throat and then leave it torn. Uh, but he had the benefit that because he was so thin-blooded, sunlight didn't kill him, it just weakened him. Uh, so he could go out during the day, didn't have any noticeable powers, couldn't feed in the way that the other kindred told him he could. So he just went through the whole campaign going, I, guys, guys, I'm not I'm not sure it took. I, I'm are not. you sure I'm a vampire? Because I'm not <laughs> feeling it. And he just had no powers. He was just a guy who was now <laughs> stuck running around with these ever. vampires going, they're all insane, I'm terrified. He's a guy who admittedly still needed blood to survive. He sounds like the Arthur Dent of the vampire world. <laughs> he kind of was, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't wish to disturb you, but... That's amazing. Oh, dear. He was a vampire in the same way that Jeremy Clarkson was a human being. <laughs> oh, wow. <yeah. laughs> Barely. On point. <laughs> On point, sir. Oh. Dear me. Dear me. Okay. So, Rob, what about you? Oh, I was going to say Jack, but it's oh, okay. I, I, to be fair, it's not a, a very long story. Com- Neither is mine. Concerning how like, how, how long and, and illustrious my role playing of weird characters is, my very yeah. very first ever character uh, was an elf sorcerer called Mandrake the Black. Mandrake the Black. Yep. Uh, he cast dancing lights and fell down a hole and lost all four of his hit points and died. Wow. <laughs> so his lifespan, lifespan was four and a half minutes. <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> do you want to you you were there in fact i can thank jack for, for being the one who were, there was the one that told me uh that there was a D game going on in our science lab yeah um that was my first as well man i played tyranno the dwarf oh yeah uh the only dwarf i've ever played and he bull rushed an orc off a big pillar yes he concussed himself he then went on another mission where he caught mummy rot. Yep. Then he cut off the head of an ogre, but then forgot to take the head, so lost out on the bounty. <laughs> and then we never played again. <laughs> Tyrannal, <laughs> Tyrannal, the, uh, the ever unlucky, I think. Yeah, yeah, Tyrannal, man. Yeah, he was, less him. I think my first actual proper character that came back and, and you know, didn't die instantly. Well, I guess did die instantly, but uh, was Squeak. Oh, oh, I love Squeak. Squeak. Um, who started off life being very, very different because literally it was just after Sin City had come out. Was he based on that yellow bastard? No. No? Do you, do you want to know who the original plan for Squeak was based on? God, I'm in love. Oh, really? The original plan for Squeak, and if you look at his stats, it makes a lot of sense. The original plan for Squeak was that he was going to be a big hulking motherfucker. Yeah. And then at the last minute, Simon brought up the idea that, you know, the, the Nosferatu could be twisted. They can have this sort of. You can either be size. You got the size rating in New World of Darkness, where five is a normal human. Nosferatu being. is. And Nosferatu is. They're kind of like. They're, well, they're at least one of my clans of choice in Vampire. They are the stuff of nightmares. They are the boogeymen. They they live in the sewers for the most for the most part. Uh, they, they are based on Nosferatu. Yeah, the classic yes. depiction of the trollish, twisted vampire. It's walking corpse. In World of Darkness, one of the ways they get around vampire mythology, having such a broad range of types of vampires, is they have these different clans, the 13 descendants of Cain, all cursed, but all in different ways. So the Toreador that we mentioned before are your Anne Rice vampires. They're your milling around with mortals, loving luxury and arts, and then you've got your Nosferatu. You've also got your Gangrel, who are your vicious fighters. They're your lost boys, well, maybe Blade. Bruja are more like your lost boys. Gangrel, That's true. Gangrel is sort of mostly capitalised on the whole turning into wolves and bats. Yes, and all yes. Good point. Yeah, Bruja are, yeah, they're more your lost boys. Um, you've got your uh, Zemisi, who are your body horror yes, vampires. Dracula types. Yeah. So they they have all the different archetypes. Yeah, and oh, they're all they're, there's something there for everyone. I mean, Shimisi and the Sombra I do love. Nosferatu I love. Malkavians were all you know insane to the last. Of course, are brilliant. Um, followers of Set, the weird Egyptian cultist vampires. They're quite fun. But yeah, Squeak Squeak was a Nosferatu, uh, and all of his stats point to him being a giant bruiser with you know fighting style <laughs> boxing, strength out the wazoo. He could you know. He could lift a human being quite quite happily, easily, easily, and use it to wail on another human being. Yeah, he was super strong. Yeah, but it came which came to this idea during the character creation that he could be twisted and gnarled up, and I mean, all his strength comes from his vampiric essence, really. So yeah. who's to say he has to have all these big muscles? So he is about I think about four foot two, <laughs> and stooped over, like horribly hunched back, and. Sort of greyish green, greyish green skin, hooked kind of nose, like yeah. bat, bat like ears, tufty, straggly, lank hair. <laughs> yeah, um, and he had a Santa's hat 
and a boxing glove with barbed wire. There's the story. There's the story that comes along afterwards. (laughs) Come on, he he didn't start with the Santa's hat. Yeah, he used to. Well, the thing is, he did start off with a boxing glove covered in barbed wire because he started off life as a prize fighter at the turn of the century. Yeah, that was his human. That was his human uh, persona, wasn't it? Yeah, when he he was was alive, he was he was a bare knuckle boxer just at the turn of the century, and then they started bringing in gloves. He was like, "Well, fine, fuck it, I'm going to do this on my terms." He got a glove, but covered it in barbed wire, (laughs) which is actually a joke from The Simpsons, brought across into into World of Darkness, which I quite like. Um, Yeah, they used to call that the stinger. They don't let you use that no more. (laughs) Um, But yes, Squeak had a a charmed life, um, by which I mean he stole a car (laughs) and drove it through the streets of London, quite overlooking the fact that he didn't know how to drive. (laughs) He just sort of went with it and hoped it would go well. That basically is our playstyle for Vampire. Playstyle for Vampire is step one, steal an ambulance. Steal an ambulance. Step two, hope for the best. Yeah. The Um, number of bloody ambulances you guys stole. I know, it's quite impressive. (laughs) I mean... He drove through the, Squeak drove through the streets of London with a, cata, a catatonic of a vampire in, in the back seat who woke up in the middle of this journey, looked over the seat and just saw this tiny troll-like monster sitting in the driver's seat, sort of swaying to and fro, like, you know, I'm going to turn the wheel to maximum fastness <laughs> because he didn't know how to drive a fucking car. It was doing pretty well, actually. Yeah. Uh, by guesswork on the streets of London. Mm. Um and so, what the hell are you doing, Squeak? And the the the, uh, the infamous line of turning around, not looking at the road, going, "I'm a motorist." <laughs> and I maintain he did really well until he had to stop. Yeah. And then he stopped really, really well. <laughs> he stopped that car by driving it into a wall. <laughs> it stopped it. Yeah. Permanently. Oh dear. But Squeak was only one part of a double act. He was. That's very true. But he arrived later on, didn't he? Who, Jonah D. Wolfwood? Yeah, Jonah Wolfwood. A, um, and this is the thing. I never really went too much into his backstory because I very much like the idea that... Even he didn't know. Even he didn't know where he came from, you know. Jonah Wolfwood, simply a priest, um, turned by someone I don't think he even really knew. Yeah. Um, uh, for reasons we will never know. For reasons we'll never know. It just happened. Uh, he happens to be wearing a priest outfit. Was he a priest? Was he we a priest? We don't fucking know. Was he a priest-themed strippogram? We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could be anything. And um, literally, he just wanders in one day. Um, he has his powers and everything he sees, he basically is convinced he's in hell. Yeah. He's convinced he's in hell because he's a Malkavian. Jonah was a Malkavian, which is another of the <laughs> archetypes of vampires. This archetype is completely insane. So he was completely convinced that when he had been bitten by this monster, it mm. had killed him. Because when he woke up, he was in hell. Everyone he saw around him <laughs> were the damned souls queuing up to, to face punishment. Yeah. Mm. He was great. Um, I remember one of my favourite bit. There were so many wonderful Wonderful moments with Jonah, but I remember one of my favourites was he somehow uh, because um, the the society that's in Vampire there's something known as the uh, what what's the the collective was it group? the Camarilla yeah yeah and it was they had the, the council didn't they where they had a representative of the each tradition. vampire that's right uh, Jonah managed to become the Malkavian primogen. Yes, do you remember? Because he was the most he was the most uh, senior Malkavian around. <laughs> because, because he convinced, because there were he convinced everyone 
No, he convinced everyone that the Malkavian was actually plotting with the the um, or what they called the the anarchic ones. Oh yes, he is. well the anarchs, yeah. the anarchs. That's right. Uh, and I swear, like um, they all did powers to see, like um, if you were lying, if they were lying, and, and the only thing counting- they picked up was just truth, wasn't it? Or yeah, something because they didn't count on the fact that you were so frog lickingly mad <laughs> that you completely <laughs> believed everything you said. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I based that uh, decision entirely on the fact that the best way to beat a polygraph test is to be so deluded you believe what you say. Yeah. Yes, absolutely, and it worked. And so, then he became primogen for like an evening. What? Ha- why did he only become a primogen for an evening? <laughs> <laughs> There's this whole thing in um, the vamp uh, in World of Darkness setting where you're not allowed to. As a vampire, reveal the existence of vampires. It's so called like, the Masquerade. Uh, there is indeed the video games based on it. You know, you'll see they're called Vampire Masquerade Bloodlines or Vampire Masquerade Redemption. Yeah. So there's this whole thing, and any vampire essentially that is caught, kind of uh, somehow revealing the presence of the existence of vampires, and it can um, be in subtle ways. It can be using your powers in the view of mortals, mm-hmm. or it can be doing something superhuman that uh, is unexplainable you know just subtle just it, subtle little telltales will get you in trouble it could do it could be doing an interview with christian slater it could be or <laughs> it could be walking into a prime time uh, sports event in it, the yankee it, stadium it, it was yankee stadium it, it was, was right before a home game there was, was every, every it was a world series game <laughs> <laughs> a world series game every every channel had like about a billion cameras there yeah. Or something. Jonah swans his way onto the field. <laughs> like, somehow manages to get all in the front while, of the camera. All the while, there's just Simon rolling dice in the background to check whether you get, like, pounced on by security. Yep, and, and go- they were failing utterly as you walked up to the microphone set up for someone to sing the national anthem. Because it's the idea that he, he was clearly walking like he meant to be, like he was meant to be there. Yeah. Which is the one way to get away with anything. Jonah was convinced that they were all there for him. <laughs> to give his he thought they were just waiting for him. He's like, oh, I'm here now. <laughs> and he told everyone, he told everyone that if they wanted to have the same powers as he, and I don't remember what he did exactly, but he, he did some display, didn't he? Yeah. To sort of like made a lot of people freak out. Yeah, made a lot of people freak out. <laughs> and he said, if you want to be like me, if you want to change the world, if you, uh, what was it? Um, if you love, if you hate the oppression of the state, then meet me <laughs> the in of one Liberty. week's time at the Statue of Liberty. And the next full moon, <laughs> the next full moon, the Statue of Liberty being a metaphor for the liberty <laughs> he was going to award them. <laughs> Then he went back to um, and the. Uh, this is the thing. A lot, a lot of, a lot of <laughs> any RPG is based on luck, <laughs> and yeah. represented by dice rolling. So Simon, meanwhile, is dice rolling for the prince of the city. Yeah, no, he goes back, doesn't he? Yeah, who's only recently taken control by bludgeoning the former prince to death. So yeah. you know she doesn't take no shit, and you know what. She wasn't aware that this had happened. So I forgot you- Serenity had just become prince at that point. Yep. And uh, Serenity, mass- in fact, actually, Simon, you should explain Serenity. Serenity is kind of based on the idea of Tank Girl becoming preternaturally strong and immortal. <laughs> Largely, that's her whole deal. Uh, and she was the sort of barely chained guard dog of the former administration, right <laughs> up until the guard dog got off the chain and ate the 
dog owner. Uh, and then she had sort of imposed her own jackbooted control over the uh, the Camarilla, the, the hierarchy of vampires in New York, and was dealing with internal matters, trying to sort of make this coup successful, and as such wasn't following matters of the mortal world and hadn't turned on the news for a while when Jonah walked into her office. <laughs> and quite simply said to her, Good evening, Serenity. How are you? Have you seen the news? And we all let out because he'd made it. He'd managed to survive doing that. He'd managed to get away with it. And then just went over to the one person whose job it is to kill people that act out of line and went, I've acted out of line. <laughs> <laughs> so Serenity says, No, should I have? Turns on the news, does a double take. And kills him. <laughs> Horribly as well. <laughs> Horribly. You got, you got baseball batted. Yes. But that wasn't the end, but we'll come back. It yeah. really wasn't. Meanwhile, Squeak is running from the law. <laughs> because while they couldn't catch Jonah, they could apparently catch Squeak. And tasered him repeatedly. <laughs> and I spent the day in the fucking harbour... <laughs> Hiding from the cruel rays of the sun. That was it. Yes, clinging to the bottom of a boat hull. You got gangster styled into the into the river. I did. I rolled up carpet, yes. as they, wasn't it? And you shot repeatedly, thrown in the water, and then the sun came out. Yep. Barely made it into like a yeah, under the bridge, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. No, me. he clung like a barnacle to the bottom of a ship. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and decided. I like, how you got, I like how you got into the hospital. Oh yeah, it's also the best way. Because that was like the beginning, wasn't that was it? Right at the beginning of the New right York campaign. Right at the beginning, he, uh, you know, he looked like a shambling squeak. Looked like a shambling corpse covered in oozing pus and horribleness. Whilst everyone is trying their best to sneak into this hospital to try and find out what's going on there, uh, they were. There's, I think it's either New York or London, but um, so some of them were using their mind control powers to get in. Some were turning invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, some were just trying to sneak in the old-fashioned way. Some were trying to bluff their way in. And Squeak just walks into the main reception, just looks at the woman behind the counter and is like, I'm very sick. <laughs> That's it. Tiny little green man covered in oozing scars and pus and dribbly bits. just goes, I'm very sick. <laughs> Whereas Jonah just took a doctor's coat. <laughs> I think that was oh, the first time dear. we saw an ambulance when we escaped from it there. Was. It was. <laughs> but yes, so Squeak decided he was going to go around trying to enact Jonah's will until, <laughs> yes. until Jonah came out of hiding, because he couldn't find him. He couldn't find his, his hetero life mate. That's weird, because they'd only met the other day, hadn't yeah, they? Yeah, and they became best friends. Squeak, like instantly. Squeak has this way of just latching on to yeah. things and people. There is yeah. also the aspect of the meta. Which yes. in the RPG is the the meta game is the game that is happening between the people playing yes. the game, and that can be trying to bring other players on your side against someone if it's a sort of vaguely competitive game, or it can reveal itself in friendships following over into character friendships. As I, <laughs> yes. I think is what happened here. Amazing facts. <laughs> it was, yeah, and uh, oh man, it was. It was. There's um, well, there's an ability in this in this game that you can do where if you you essentially can enslave people and make them your ghouls. Uh, oh, God! <laughs> and, uh, quite, quite wonderful. You basically I forgot about this story. Basically, the ghouls are um, 
to use like a, an accurate kind of similarity between like uh, like what a drug a drug addict would be, but after vampire blood rather than than narcotics. And when we, we say addicted the, to it, when we say it's the most addictive substance in the world, we they literally die without it after a while. Yes. Yeah. It keeps them immortal. They need to feed, okay? <laughs> so Jonah, having discovered this quite recently, you know, that he could do this, decided he wanted a ghoul because everyone else had one. It's true. I had, I had a ghoul. Everyone had a ghoul. And I was like, I want a ghoul. So <laughs> made a friend. <laughs> caught a friend with a net. <laughs> yes, I caught a friend with a net. <laughs> Now, of course, he wasn't really your friend to begin with, so he had to be taught. That's right. He was taught to be Jonah's friend. By which we mean... Jonah locked in a cupboard. (laughs) Jonah kidnapped a man with a net, shoved his bleeding wrist into the man's mouth until he drank some of his blood, then locked him in a cupboard. (laughs) Then forgot to feed him. (laughs) And then forgot he was there for, like... Most of the game until like about like it was like the penultimate session or something. It was, wasn't it? It was your big speech at Liberty uh, Island, which is on YouTube, by the way. This this model. it is somewhere. It is. It is, yeah. it is there. Um, oh my goodness me! And he's he's you're, midway through his speech. You're coming he? up with a plan of attack that involved us siring a whole bunch of ghouls. And the moment you say the word ghouls, your eyes bulge out of your head and you go oh my god I left my ghoul in a cupboard <laughs> how long has it been it's like three weeks three weeks <laughs> well, I just love this you're yep he's, he's dead. dead and he's then moving dead. on he's immediately he's dead <laughs> yeah cause um <laughs> even Jeff uh, Jeff death could not stop Jonah oh god yes with his conviction because I'd like to point out this big plan and master attack and the, the realisation about his ghoul came after Jonah had been killed by the prince that's right because the next night <laughs> Squeak was wandering around about to have the shit kicked out of him by a seven foot tall gangrel with a motorcycle oh my god yeah yeah Vlad yes oh Vlad Big on hammers, small on brains. Oh my goodness me! Um, Look, James he had a ghoul as well. He had it a was. Pulsation. Yes. Um, well, I'm not surprised that James's character was the huge guy. <laughs> oh yeah, Vlad was awesome. Vlad just it hung out in the park, and kept fusing with the earth, and then hitting people with hammers. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There was a wonderful fight at the very end of the campaign between Vlad and Squeak, which involved a car door. Yes. Oh my very god. Very briefly, that was the car door. <laughs> Squeak held up a card or as a shield, and then Vlad swung a, uh, a, a sledgehammer, and then Squeak didn't have a shield anymore. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, but yeah, basically, Squeak was about to get the shit kicked out of him by Vlad, and then Jonah turned up. <laughs> Just floating in the air, hovering like a weird, shimmery blue spectre, which scared Vlad away, because he wasn't all up on this whole supernatural business. Just by being yeah. a vampire. <laughs> Do you remember, uh, Rob, what, uh, what what Jonah's first words were to explain his new situation? <laughs> I don't actually remember. It, well, I remember it very clearly. Squeak looked at him in disbelief because he found out by this point that Jonah had been killed. Yeah. And then Jonah was there, floating above him like a false ghost. Yeah. And Jonah looked down at him and said, well, I woke up this evening and I walked through the wall and I thought, oh, that's strange. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, the yes. entirety of his explanation. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, that's oh goodness me! Such a oh my god! But my favorite thing about playing Jonah as a ghost was hey, he, he would just possess people. Yes, 
and he would be just really arrogant because he knew people would attack him. Yeah. Like thinking, oh, he's just some arrogant twat. And then they die and then there'd just be a ghost standing there in his place and they'd be like, oh. Like people, that was one of my favourite lines. I mean, he was funny. He was a funny character, but like, he had like certain badass moments, but really he was just mental. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but one of my favourite ones was when it was the Anarchs marching on uh, Ventrue Towers, and which was also Jonah's um, plan as well, which yeah. I was really pr- proud how I brought that swigging back towards plot. <laughs> like, that, I'm sorry, right? Can we just stop on that? Yeah, we'll, we'll come back to that because we need to explain what actually happened, don't yeah. we? So <laughs> should we explain what actually happened there? Just do- No, you, you do it. You're okay. much more concise. Okay, okay. So we kind of went off plot. Whilst everyone else was figuring out the whole vampire politics game, civil war was about to break out, the prince was sitting on top of Ventrue Towers... <laughs> marshalling her armies whilst the Anarchs were about to start burning down New York. Vampires fighting vampires, and you know. In the, in the meanwhile, there were, I think there were werewolves hanging around Werewolves somewhere. were around. They were in Central Park. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, all this shit was going down. Meanwhile, Squeak and Jonah go, huh, it's the next full moon. Should we go see if your army's turned? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we went, to, uh, we went to the docks and we were like, all right, I found us a boat. Well, actually, we stole a boat. We stole a boat. And we drove towards Liberty Island. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I'm actually much the same way that I had driven a car before and gone, hey, this is actually working. <laughs> Squeak started piloting a boat. <laughs> and was going, huh, this is going rather well. And like, right, let's start to slow down and make our stop. I don't know how to do that. And Jonah came because we know he can make, he can, but he just can't stop vehicles. He just can't stop vehicles. <laughs> so Jonah came up with a fantastic idea, which is, well, why don't you just go down below the waterline and use your super freaky strength to punch a hole in the ship? Oh and yeah, and make it sink. And Jonah said, "Meanwhile, I will Jack Sparrow this by yeah. standing on the front of the ship, and when we approach the 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 the, uh, the, the side of the island, I will." You know, gallantly step off the boat. Yeah, as it sinks, which will have sunk just enough for me to step off onto the pier and then announce myself to those waiting for me. Yes, I didn't do it quite with the right amount of timing, as you could expect. It was a bit difficult. No, so instead, the ship careened into the side of Liberty Island. Yeah, Jonah first. Yes, the punch (laughs) uh, basically rocked the boat, basically uh, on an angle throwing Jonah against sort of the side of the thing. Jonah, who was possessing possessing the body of a completely innocent human being at the time. (laughs) Yes. So I go, I crawl back up onto the ship and go, huh, I wonder if that worked to just see Jonah's ghost floating up from the water going, God damn it. (laughs) I believe his justification for doing that to just innocent people was he was only borrowing. (laughs) And also they were all damned souls. They weren't real people. Yeah. Exactly. He, and know, there was, in fact, an army of loons. <laughs> an army of loons. Oh, my goodness. At me. Liberty Island. And Squeak, yes. Squeak had to try and find him because he'd gone and possessed some other random person. So Squeak was just <laughs> finding his way through the crowds of people, all claiming to be, you know, Napoleon and shit like that. So when one comes over to him, claims to be Jonah, it's like, all oh, right, mate, out of the way. So eventually we managed to address the army and I was there at the back going, okay, cool, we've got the, I've got all this together. I don't really know what's going on, but I'm sure that it'll be fine. Jonah gets all the loons together and announces his plan to get on a boat, a new boat, a better boat. <laughs> <laughs> he began by saying, how do you like the oppression of the state? <laughs> uh, getting, getting back to Manhattan... <laughs> 
And at that point it says, and we will march on a building which not many of you will know as Ventru Towers. <laughs> and this deathly silence fell on every player there as we suddenly <laughs> went, oh, shit. Because I thought to myself, you know what? Why not? He wants revenge. He and, wants and, to come and back. This, and this diversion suddenly took a sharp turn and smashed bodily back into the plot. So we took an army of loons. And Ventrue being another of the archetypal vampires, these ones being the, the, the aristocratic, hierarchical rulers mm. of vampire society, uh, self-imposed like rulers. The boardroom vampires. Yes. And uh, the Ventrue Towers was a cheeky little near-masquerade slip that the prince could get away with because no one tells the prince off. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we marched an army of loons up. So I love that every time you lost, you had a little ticker. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and you were just clicking them off every time one died. Yeah, I did. And, and, we, um, and we marched an army on Ventru Towers, which, as we were approaching it, burst into flames. <laughs> it did more than that. The, the bottom half of it blew out, didn't it? And yep. it just fell down. But like because of the way it had been built, it just slammed like a fucking block into the ground. But before that, because Jonah had... Um, now he was a ghost. He was actually using... Was it the Wraith rules? Yes, I can't remember. Or it was just the regular wall of darkness. Of or, yeah, yeah, yeah. That. he was able to. He was able to levitate the body he was possessing. Well, you weren't. You were. I don't think you were possessing anyone. You were apparating at the time. No, he did because he was. He was. I swear he was because. Oh yes, he is. Um, that it was that point that he, they, the loons face off against the um, the anarchs, right? Which, which went about as well as you can imagine. A bunch of random homeless people in New York and fight, mental people fighting an army of vampire bikers. <laughs> But the best and thing the- was they stopped like midway, so the loons are like behind Jonah, and this massive kind of biker anarch like just walks up to him, massive vampire, Voices just looks at him and just goes, "What do you think this is? Turn around or we'll destroy you." And Jonah's like, "You know, ah, no, 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 like just like trying to just be a bit like, said, what do you, you know, think of this? Yeah, that's no, no, like, what do you think of this or whatever?" And he flies up into the air, and then the, the anarch goes. I'd say kill the mage, and then Jonah just simply turns around and goes, ah, 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 oh, you ah, think I'm a mage? Ah, ah, you think I'm a mage? Try. I loved it so much. And then they murdered him. They ripped him, <laughs> they, they ripped him limb from limb. Well, the poor innocent soul he was possessing yeah, at the time. Can I just put it, the exact dialogue you had with him was, you, you you got torn to pieces, then your spirit appeared and floated out of him again, and you said, that was a very, very bad idea. I just <laughs> want to help you. Yes. <laughs> I just want to help you. Oh, my God. I oh don't. God. I literally don't know where my mind went when I played. <laughs> I don't know. This is before he went it to drop the school. building, Rob. Yeah. Like, holy shit. It was, it was unbelievable. What is it? Yeah. Just a good time. They were good times. Yeah. And then Jonah disappeared from this mortal plane. Yeah. Again. And Squeak went on to try and bring his soul back from the beyond by creating a, a golem. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was, it, that, was wasn't when, it? that was when Mike was around and we basically he created a golem and sealed a soul in it and went, Jonah! And the guy was like, Yes, I am Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing! I didn't know that. And Squeak had a son. R- what? Yeah, 
the, the golem was essentially he had he always he's, after a while he realized that the golem the soul in the golem was not in fact Jonah it was just some random soul that he'd ripped from beyond not a dead not a ghost not a dead but a soul that hadn't had a chance to have been born yet like the chamber of guff oh and he basically just tore it from the ether and sealed it in a giant clay container holy shit and then went Jonah because he thought he'd summon the ghost of Jonah oh and done and they went oh you're not Jonah okay you're gonna call me dad. <laughs> and then he rode around on his giant golem's shoulders whilst they tried to find a ritual that would bring Jonah back from the dead <laughs> again maybe one day it'll work yeah that would be amazing that was, that was a weird campaign hey Simon <laughs> you need to run a one-off <laughs> that'd be amazing so that was that was the ballad of Squeak and Jonah which we didn't actually go into the, the Santa hat and how we started this segue oh no during their time, like that, <laughs> their one day of adventuring, Squeak and Jonah decided that they were bored and they were going to go and fight crime. Well, sorry, Jonah decided that he was bored and he was going to go and fight crime. Yeah. Come on, Squeak, let's go and fight crime. Yes. We waited. We, he had a revolver at the time. And he, yes. he just thought, fuck it, I'm just going to use this gun. Oh, dear. And we staked out an area. We saw, <laughs> yes. we saw a man walking home from the store, from the 7-Eleven. Who clearly robbed it, obviously. Yeah, he was a robber and, and a murderer. And he was a murderer, too. Uh, he was. I, had, I had Jonah's word for this because he could see it, the truth of things. Yes, <laughs> yes, he could see it. Also, he told me. <laughs> Oh my goodness me! And they 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 hung him off. They hung him off. We, we swooped down on him, kidnapped him, beat him senseless, dragged him to a rooftop, <laughs> and hung him by his feet over the edge from a TV antenna. We yeah no no well yeah by a TV antenna. We tied his legs up and we we got the rope yeah. right. We threw him unfortunately, over the edge. and then we threw <laughs> him over the edge. And unfortunately, we forgot to tie the other end of the rope to the TV antenna. We were going to do that after we threw him over the edge. Yes, you see, we thought we'll throw him over, then we'll tie it to the TV we, antenna. We, we got the order all mixed up, so yeah. the man plummeted to the floor below <laughs> and died horribly. Wow! <laughs> and they, that was their pleasure. Amazing. Basically, you abducted a oh guy who had just been buying his dinner and threw him off a roof. <laughs> yeah, we both lost. Alice <laughs> murder. You um, didn't realise Jonah was murder. Jonah sort of managed to keep a little hole on his humanity, probably because he was just so batshit to begin with. Yeah, Jonah was convinced that he'd he'd served justice. Yes. Yeah, so, so he was fine with this. Week, on the other hand, it was kind of weird. Felt nothing, felt a little bit of detachment from humanity for doing <laughs> it. And so everything in the world started getting a little bit more bendy. Yeah. And so he he came to the realization that like all of this stuff had started taking place since he had taken the job of a street Santa. <laughs> yes, but which I mean, he lived in the sewers and rang a bell and wore a Santa hat that was now more brown than red. <laughs> um, and he he had oh, come to this conclusion that wait, all this stuff has been happening since I've become a street Santa. What if all my powers are in this Santa hat? Yeah, and from that moment on, he refused to take the Santa hat off. And if the Santa hat came off, he was so convinced that it had taken his powers from him, he was unable to use his powers. Yep, so that Santa hat stayed with him. It was a placebo Santa hat. Yep. Forever. Yeah. Wow. Um, they That's survived falling well. off a skyscraper. Yep. They fell off a skyscraper, both of them, and went through the, the roof of a car. <laughs> Vampires are tough. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's, 
Oh, the rat phone. That the was, rat phone was amazing. That was London. So that was that was pre Jonah, but yeah. Um, this everyone, is the beauty of a tabletop RPG over a computer based RPG because a computer will run to the letter of the rules. It's been programmed and it can't deviate from that program. But these tabletop games are run by a human being, and this vampire campaign was run by me. Uh, <laughs> And everyone in the, the group had a mobile phone, with the exception of Squeak, who had no money. But, <laughs> jealous of their phones, he did carry a dead rat. Into which, which was, he shoved a stick. Into which he'd shoved a stick. This was the rat phone. <laughs> <laughs> and at one point, another character was desperate to contact anyone else in the group. And that character had their supernatural power at a higher level than they possessed it, would allow them to telepathically reach anyone they were close to. Now, the player rolled a spectacular success on trying to reach someone, but <laughs> everyone else was completely out of contact. So I decided, ooh, here's one of those times where you bend the rules for hilarious consequences. <laughs> and rather than find someone to get through to, what she'd done was actually reached out psychically to someone and that manifested as the rat phone ringing. <laughs> so Squeak, Squeak was wandering around in the sewers, doing his thing, just do, doing him. And then the rat in his pocket started ringing. And he was just like, how are we getting reception down here? Pulled out the rat phone and just... Yeah. Put it to his ear. They had a conversation. The call ended. Squeak went... <laughs> And then just pause for a while, staring at the rat, going, wait a minute. <laughs> Do you know what, though? The best thing about that is, I like to think that Squeak never spoke of that ever again. <laughs> I, was like, just, I was like, whoa. <laughs> I've seen oh, some shit, but, oh, dear. Yeah. So that that's uh, like I said, every time I say it, well, that was Squeak and Jonah. I'm sure a story will keep popping up every that's time I try to end it. There are so we ha we, we ha there are more that I can think of. Oh yeah, like Rosebud, but we won't go into that because we've talked about Jonah Squeak for a long time. <laughs> we have. This is supposed to be about our RPG characters. We are just talking about two of our two RPG of them, characters. Yeah, oh man, yeah. Um, let's talk about different role playing games then. So like. Um, Obviously, we've all had quite a diverse kind of experience with uh, role-playing games. Would we say we have a favourite? For me, World of Darkness is probably always going to be up there as my favourite. There's um, a lot of variety in World of Darkness, isn't there? I mean, my favourite... This is the weird thing, right? I've never played in my favourite World of Darkness game. Oh, Mummy? No. <laughs> Werewolf. I've never played in a game of Werewolf. Werewolf, um, but never... But I have made about 60,000 characters for it because when mm. I was a really, really, really super lame teenager, <laughs> uh, as opposed to the really lame 20-something that I am now, um, I found the most enjoyable thing I could do of an evening was make Werewolf the, the Apocalypse characters. I made a badass character for that. You didn't get to use it. No. I only ran one game. Let's never speak of it. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> It, it was fun because I misread the rules of experience. Yeah, you did. So everyone was getting about ten times the amount of experience they should have been. They that were fucking super. Why the character was fucking amazing. They though. were they were supermen by the end of it. Wow, <laughs> I believe I fell out of a helicopter and survived. 
Yes, but to be fair, that, any werewolf could do that. They are super tough. Yes, but uh, specifically, I survived going into a black rage by falling out of a helicopter because yes. there was no one I could actually hurt whilst in free fall, and then hitting the ground kind of brought me out of it. Yep. <laughs> werewolf is a fun game. <laughs> I, I mostly remember that game for, for Rich's inability to turn into a werewolf. Was that the game where the first thing I did was trip and slice my throat open on broken glass? Yes. Oh my god! Uh, you slipped over. Wow. It slipped over and broke a window with your character's face. And so the landed. window was already broken by the first person who jumped through it. I was yes. trying to follow them. You slipped, landed face first on the broken glass. And then, yes, Rich leapt into the room to fight off the evil, like, you know, <laughs> G-men that are about to steal the new werewolf. And decided that he was going to scare them by literally just standing in the middle of the room, turning into a giant nine-foot-tall snarling death monster. Unfortunately, botched the roll, so he jumped into the middle of the room, and just a man went, <laughs> And nothing happened. Amazing. I really want to run Werewolf again. Oh, man, I play Werewolf. I have run it. I did run another game of it since then, but I ran a one-off. I've never and I, I ran. It. I essentially ran Clerks, but... With werewolves. Oh, that's so cool! Why could you? Just, I love you. you were li- the, 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 group, the, the group was literally uh, just a, they were the local pack of werewolves on their day off, and nothing was on happening. Their day off. Nothing was happening that day. No, no, no evil monsters or spirits or were they not supposed to be there that day? Well, the thing is, one of one of them worked at a convenience store. No, that's the line from. Yeah, the thing is, yeah. yeah, one of them worked at a convenience yeah, yeah, store. Yeah, but he, it was on his day off. But he'd been called. Was in. there a Jay and Silent Bob? Well, I don't. It didn't get that far. Oh but, my god! But yeah, basically, one of them was working that day. It is, you know, his human cover story job. Um, even though it was his day off. Yeah. So the rest of them decided they were going to go down and visit him at the store. <laughs> yeah, you I should think run toil- that. I think a toilet I would, I would play that. a ceiling. That was a fun game. But yeah, I, do I, a Clerks 2. I could try. I might, I, might, <laughs> I, might, I, might, I want to run, I want to run a game of Werewolf. Um, <laughs> simply because it is, it is one of my favourites. And when it's done properly, which I'm sure I can now, <laughs> like, I, was, I was 16, 17 when I ran Werewolf for you guys. Something like that, yeah. I'm 27 now. I've, I've learned a lot in the last 10, 11 years. Yeah. Um, what about other systems? Because World of Darkness, we've talked about it. It's your, yeah. your modern urban horror. Yeah. Uh, D&D, I think everyone knows. It's your, your high fantasy sword and sorcery stuff. And great it is. Oh, actually, before, before, we leave, before we leave World of Darkness, Simon, <laughs> I think you were the only one in on this, but my um, the first Midway game. Mm-hmm. The Thirteenth Precinct game. Yep. Do you remember some of the characters from that? I I do. I I remember some of them quite fondly, such as well. There was my character, <laughs> Eric Hookstra, the uh, drug addicted vice cop, who uh, became a demon hunter. He was he was deep undercover. Deep deep undercover. Yeah, like, he really got into his role. There was so much rich characterization in that because literally he was. Like you, to the point that you were looking up like usual names of stuff and like his genealogy. So he was, he was of Dutch extraction, yep. which is named Wextra. He was undercover in like uh, a Puerto Rican gang. He he was a lapsed Catholic and like all this stuff. And I'm like Jesus Christ, dude, this is some of the most in-depth character I've ever seen. I really liked Eric. He, he was, was fantastic, awesome. But what I really remember actually is not the first Midway campaign; it's the second. I remember the second in which, in the the opening act, as a way to introduce me to Rowan's character, 
You had her being stalked by a Hugh Grant-like foppish British vampire. <laughs> who was shit. He was, was, was utterly shit. Derek's Derek was awful. And Carmina, who was Rowan's character, was basically the daughter of a character she'd had in a previous game, who was a vampire. Yeah. And she was essentially going around the world with her eye spy book of the supernatural. <laughs> she, she, was, she was a monster fangirl. That's amazing. And, and I'd become a demon hunter after the events of the first Midway, which opened up the eyes of all these uh, serving police officers to the supernatural, and we'd all reacted in various ways, be it suicide or going all buffy <laughs> oh on them. Oh, oh, seriously. Uh, I did a prologue. I was like, what do you... Uh, I did an epilogue at the end of it where everyone was like, what are you guys going to do after this? And I was like, Simon's character... Uh, became an even, had an even more tense relationship with Catholicism. Because uh, <laughs> demons were real. Kept yeah. the drugs and became Constantine-like. Uh, a, a mix between Constantine and Buffy, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Mike Hikarangi left the force. Yeah. Uh, uh, Troy's big character. Maori uh, cop played by he left, Troy. He, left he was, he was private security. Yeah, uh, along with Clara Duvall. Yes, so his character. She lost an eye, I believe. I think no, so, but, yes. Well, pretty, uh, Eugene, who was Mike's character, who was quite an interesting one because he was basically special task force for the for the um, police. Yeah. So he was essentially a SWAT team. And how that works is that basically you have a certain amount of time where you work in special task force. Yeah. And then you get cycled out mm. so that you're not spending every day of your life in riot gear busting into places with assault rifles. Yeah. Because you know what? That has kind of a strain on the human mind. Yeah. <laughs> so during this game, I was like, I can, I can let you play a special task force character, but if you're going to be interacting with the guys who are playing beat cops and detectives, yeah. you're going to have to be on your off cycle. Yeah. So, but the thing is, he didn't want to be on an off cycle. <laughs> <laughs> he was essentially a gun nut that had been given a like, license to work with the police. So he was counting down the days until American police force. Yeah, he, he was just counting down the days until he was allowed back into full riot gear and given his fucking assault rifle back. Holy fucking shit! And he he uh, admittedly he gave him the, he did give us the uh, his his uncle his uh, grandfather Idaho Jackson. Fucking oh, love Idaho, Idaho Jackson. Who is one of my most enduring characters and is fucking <laughs> wonderful. Who is basically like if my own grandfather was like some crazy Louisiana guy who runs swamp tours. <laughs> and it ends like he'll tell you a story about someone and then yeah. always end it with, of course he did now. Of course he did now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love Idaho. Oh, that's the best thing. Eugene yeah. ended the thing with, he went home, had a shower, and shot himself. <laughs> fucking hell. Because I mean, we did open a portal to hell and, and prove demons were real. It was, it was not a good day. And no. you know what? He came back. Yeah. Someone found a way to bring him back. It was much like when, when uh, Jonah came back. He basically walked... He, he, someone summoned a fairy. Yeah. Uh, like a boogeyman type thing. Uh, like the man who puts people in bags and takes them away. Yeah. And he said, give me a name. So they said, uh, Eugene Jackson. And he went... Wandered away. <laughs> wandered. Like, I love that he sighed and go yeah. and disco, just oh, for God's sake. Oh, I, I could tell you why he sighed, but I, I'm going to bring back uh, Skin and Bones, which is the name of that guy that later on uh, in another game. But basically, he wandered off through the slipway into the underworld where Eugene was about to step up to the skeleton war. <laughs> The, the, the skeleton yeah, war. Yeah, literally. The, the oh, afterlife shit. war of all soldiers who have died in eternal That's conflict. Uh, and so cool. he got put in a bag <laughs> and started getting taken away to wherever the horrible boogeyman skin and bones takes people. Mm. But he managed to fight his way out of the bag. Holy shit. 
and found his way through into the slipstream between universes <laughs> and went, oh, that's Earth, <laughs> and walked towards it. And came back. Across a lake of frozen blood and shit like that and giant tentacles roaming out of the darkness. So we were just sort of a bit inconvenienced for a bit. <laughs> like, oh, bloody hell, you could have dropped me at home. Found his way back to Earth and went, oh, I'm back home. I guess I'm home. Didn't go to his granddad's house, went straight to Mike Hickelongi's place, knocked on the door, Mike opened the door and there was Eugene Jackson, his friend who had shot himself in the head a year before. And he went, oh, hi, Mike, can I come in for a bit? <laughs> Yeah, sure, Eugene. Uh, just, just come on in, man. And then he just sat him down and went, "Can I get you a cup of coffee or something, Eugene?" <laughs> so, yeah, cheers, thanks. Uh, milk, milk and two sugars. Yeah, milk and two sugars. So, uh, what the fuck, man? <laughs> You're dead, Eugene. Why are you here? <laughs> but I, I, Derek, I will always remember fondly it's... because it was just designed to be a little opening encounter for me to demonstrate I've become all monster hunter. But quite frankly, Eric looked at that vampire and looked at Rowan's character and just went, ah, she's got this in hand. <laughs> Basically, he was all... And he Derek made it through the whole campaign. <laughs> then Derek wouldn't go away. Derek was supposed to last five minutes. He was supposed to, like, get off the Greyhound bus with with, uh, with, with Carmina, Rowan's character. Supposed to be, like, quite clearly a vampire because he's not very good at this. And was supposed to basically... Try and take her off to one side. Eric would swoop in, stake the vampire. Carmina would be brought into the group. Mm. There we go. Nice and introed. But mm -hmm. she was quite a forceful personality, and Eric didn't think she needed any help. Because she knew he, she knew Derek was a vampire. Because <laughs> she was quite good at spotting vampires, and he was quite shit at hiding that he was a vampire. <laughs> so she essentially adopted him, wandered around <laughs> with him, looked after him and come and the end of the campaign when a blood sacrifice was needed and none of the players actually wanted to volunteer themselves we sort of shoved Derek into the circle <laughs> so you essentially got a pet NPC that I was supposed to that was supposed to be there for five minutes and ended up making it to the end of the campaign and became a goddamn plot point <laughs> and saved the day that's amazing. And was, he, he lied about something I can't remember what it was and just the look on Rowan's face as Carmina was just like Derek. <laughs> and just the utter look of disappointment <laughs> on her face. She built a pillow fort for him in their hotel room to hide him from the rays of the sun. Uh. <laughs> oh. So sometimes NPCs can become characters in their own right. Yep, absolutely. I liked Midway. And I mean, as well, we've all played lots of um, franchise RPGs. You know, if there's a, a fictional world that's popular, there will be an RPG of it. There's a Dragon Firefly. Age, there's a Song of Ice and Fire, there's a Firefly. Yeah. Star Trek and Star Wars, obviously, have had multiple games made about oh, them. Yeah. Doctor Who. Oh, God, Jack. Well, Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek, we have a story to tell. Well, should we talk about the pen and paper one rather than Hephaestus? Or do you want to talk about Hephaestus? Oh, no, I, was, I was thinking pen and paper. I was thinking specifically Jenna's first experience <laughs> of the Star Trek RPG. <laughs> oh, it was, we, honest to God, the she, best. She is on the line, so we could technically get her into the show. I, I think we should. I think we should hear this from the captain herself. Jen. Why? Why? <laughs> so... Of the people that were playing in that Star Trek RPG, how many of them hadn't seen Star Trek? Me. Just you. Who was playing Command Staff? Me. You. Now, what's because the thing? I asked Troy what I should be. <laughs> yeah. Troy is a sadist. 
And <laughs> Troy's, Troy's thing was he has always wanted to run a Star Trek RP <laughs> with someone who's never seen the show, who has never seen the Kobayashi Maru. Because Jenna was playing a captain, so she had to go through the Kobayashi Maru test. Oh my god. But Jenna's never seen Star Trek at that point. Didn't know what the Kobayashi Maru test was. Oh my Everyone god! Everyone else so did. Start the game aboard the you know the, the yeah, ship, doing and, and it's the full and we're all in on it except Jenna. Nice. So literally, we've all made our characters. We're all there, ready to go. And there's, oh, there's the Klingon ship, and there's the Kobayashi Maru. Uh, what you. do we do? Do we go and save it? Do we let them go? What the, you know? How do we how do we gear this? And I believe Jen took the option to just go and save them. Yeah, and you, yeah. you took sort of. I would say the Kirk approach, but we know what the Kirk approach is. You, you took the gung-ho approach, you know, their lives matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the Klingons opened fire on us, and there was an explosion, and the Doctor, who I was playing, Dr. Arthur Calloway, who's one of my favourite characters I've ever played, just as a character mm-hmm. rather than a, than a bland stereotype, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> had, underneath his, his Starfleet uniform, had set up a system of, like... A small amount of explosives, fake blood, Squibs. and fake organs. Squibs is the word you're yeah. looking for. <laughs> so when the explosion hit and his his station was like detonated, he flung himself over the the, the, the banister <laughs> on, onto the floor of the bridge with his guts exploding everywhere. Did he Wilhelm scream? Yes. Ten- yeah. So Jen's first thing on on uh, as captain was her chief medical officer was flung over the thing and exploded into gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> and you freaked out and panicked you were trying to get it fixed we were like oh god what do we do and then we were all killed and then <laughs> one by one the crew died and handed over their character sheets as is traditional when you die yes <laughs> and Jenna looked more and more traumatised <laughs> until eventually the last photon torpedo came and the ship exploded and the simulation ended and we all got our character sheets back and we all stood up and I high-fived someone. <laughs> My gut's still out. That's fucking genius. Jenna I didn't realise you didn't know, Jenna. I, I, I've no. heard that story before, but I didn't realise you didn't know. Yep. Jenna didn't no. know. She thought she That's killed perfect. the entire the entire game in the first eight minutes of gameplay. Yeah. I thought I'd made some really bad rolls. Yeah. Although, to be fair, speaking of nearly breaking a game within the first couple of minutes in space, mm-hmm. Firefly. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, another game I ran. Thank in you, Jed. Firefly doesn't go well. No, Firefly does not go smooth. Why does it ever go smooth? <laughs> this is a game in which, uh, not to spend too long on it, but they, the, the crew were a classic Firefly crew of uh, outcasts and misfits, and they had to do their raiding and alliance world hospital thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, and to do this, they faked, in inverted commas, paperwork to get was it one or two members of the crew sectioned and oh, committed? Oh, the first game, yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yes. Uh, Brody, so my character for definite. Um, I, I, I know it was at least one, possibly two. And they turned up, let them get sectioned, stole the ship and flew away. Yep, it was, yeah, <laughs> the captain and the assassin. And they ran away to start a lesbian family. Wow. 
I, I was I, I was thinking more about the second game where we had to um, steal a big block of ice and oh, then yes. take, take it to a world, smuggle it to a world where they needed it, but like obviously everything was being taxed and all that sort of stuff, and they desperately needed ice. <laughs> so we right. turned it, and I think we'd all sort of forgotten that it was supposed to be all hush-hush, because we turn up at the world, and the ramp comes down, and Jamie's character steps off and shouts, Who wants the ice? <laughs> oh, God. To the assembled township who had put up a little sort of reception committee. Yep. <laughs> I've played the same. I've played three different Firefly campaigns that were not linked together because I've never played because Firefly. they always end well. They I've never played it. It's really, really fun, and I've made a, a character that I really. What I'm, system is it? Is it a D20? It's, it's Cortex. So oh. it's, instead of buying a number in a stat and then you roll you buy dice. dice. You, you buy, just dice. buy dice, right? So you okay. have a D four, a D six, a D eight, a D twelve. Oh, sweet. Okay. And it goes up to like D twenty plus D four. Yeah. And all that sort of stuff. It's the same uh, system that Battlestar Galactica uses. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Buffy, I believe. I think so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. Um, and basically, yeah, I, I had a character called Brody Zhang, who was a an engineer hmm. of great uh, great talent, but also of great libido. <laughs> he would bang. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Everything. <laughs> a common trait of your characters. <laughs> well, really, true. I mean, just, I mean, it's only two of them. It's it's Andre and, and Brody. They're the only two horn dogs. <laughs> Brody the engineer and Andre the homicide detective from Gotham. And to be fair, he did, at, le- at least Andre got his end away. Because Brody tried to with twins. Because I remember that conversation quite well. He'd been flirting with twins, and the captain, played by Troy, was trying to get him to go somewhere. Like, but Captain, twins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've, that's amazing. You've and you've actually stumbled across like another brilliant thing about role playing games: the fact that not only have you got these wealth, this wealth of systems to use uh, for different franchises like Star Trek, like Star Wars, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. You can also take existing. Um, uh, existing systems and then put your own thing on top of it, which is, as you just mentioned, what Simon did with Gotham City. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Gotham was great. I'm not gonna lie. It's probably one of it. It's in my top three RPGs I've ever played in. Take it away, Simon. Well, the World of Darkness, being a contemporary setting, has specific rule books. Loads of expansion books if you want to do specific things. Because uh, the basic game allows you to roll up a mortal character who lives in this world full of supernatural nonsense. Mm. Uh, and if you want to do a murder mystery involving a slasher, there's a book about the classic slasher horror movie type bad guys that you can use to gen up a bad guy. I've got it upstairs. Mm-hmm. There are books specifically for police characters, which is... What I used, and I told everyone we're going to be doing an American contemporary police game. Everyone roll up a detective character using these basic concepts. So everyone turns up knowing they're going to do police in America, and it's their first uh, night on on patrol in Gotham Central. Uh, so it it was exactly what you might think, uh, and using the mortal. Um, World of Darkness rules, I ran them through as police officers in a world where Batman had been missing for 18 months, and so had the Joker, and things were all starting to get a bit strange. That is so cool. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I really wish I, I was the coroner. You were. I'd you were the pathologist. I was a beat cop. <laughs> you were. 
Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that game, especially when before he knew it was Gotham, uh, one of our friends said, can I play a masked vigilante? Oh, <laughs> a guy who is a cop yes. by day, but is is like a, like a Batman-style masked vigilante. But I was like, yes, you can. Yep. I thoroughly encourage this. And, and, and Phil was the, the sort of the, the follow-on to the question. The interrobang. The interrobang. What? The interrobang. The interrobang is an exclamation mark. And no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. he wasn't the question. He was the interrobang. That's <laughs> like, like the question, but much more explosive That's and punchy. incredible. And he ended up being pursued and shot by one of the other players. <laughs> yes. I think that was me. Really, yep. They really got down on the whole vigilante thing. So we had we had all these different characters that were doing all these different things. We had a beat cop. We had a we had a, um, a mortician working in the the forensics lab. We had oh, uh, I love my character Ducky. We had we had a forensic pathologist in in Zoe's character who was obsessed with Nightwing. Um, and who wouldn't <laughs> be? Yeah. Um, who are, we had we had, um, you know I played Andre Mergescu, who was a um, a homicide detective mm. who was also an informant for the penguin. For the penguin, yeah. So there was that. Uh, I have a question about it though, because I don't think, because obviously I've heard a lot about this game. I wish I'd been there to play it. What has happened to Batman and the Joker? That was never revealed. Never revealed? Oh. He definitely wasn't in the cell. Yeah, that's true. The Joker was not <laughs> in the cell. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. The booby trap cell. Oh, that I've never seen more tension in a fucking RPG than an entire group of cops going down to Joker's cell in Arkham Asylum, which they know is empty. They know, categorically speaking, is empty. But there'd been it's a breakout, there. and it was the only cell with the door closed. Yeah. Mm. Because there'd been no one to break out of it. Oh, God, yeah. the one who opened it. There was, a, there, was a, there was, yeah, there was an Arkham Asylum riot. All the doors got opened. And Murgiscu was there. And the thing about Murgiscu is, he is a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> he uh, he was not built to fight. He, he's a homicide detective. He uses his brain, but mostly he like smarms his way into things, mm. which is how he ended up in bed with the Riddler, <laughs> um, who's played by who is who is he played by in this universe of yours, Simon? Oh God, I cannot remember. Um, I nearly said Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but it wasn't. Um, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah that's that right. Yes, that's Good right. cast. Um, so yes, that's you know the one time he got his end away was Neil Patrick Harris's Riddler, <laughs> um, and yeah, he ended up in a fight. I think it was me. I forget what I think it was Mike's character. But I can't remember what he what he was. He was more he was another of a detective. He was yeah. He was another. He was a homicide detective like me. He was like he was yeah. my he was partners. But yeah, we ended up. In the middle of the the Arkham riot, going mm. oh shit, oh shit, what do we do? And <laughs> oh god, we don't know how to fight. And this is in Gotham without Batman. Yeah, yep. well, we know how to fight. We know like, the, we know the basics of police close combat techniques. Yeah, but come on. And then who stepped through the door? Not Batman. Amygdala. Uh, you know the the sort of three hundred and fifty pound guy who could be entirely fine, mm-hmm. but he doesn't react to things in the way that you know. You would expect. He's yeah, what is it again? Well, no, amygdala we were fine with. It was a robot before, wasn't it? You did fight a robot, yeah. Yeah, there was a weird, <laughs> there was a weird fucking robot. I'm like, oh. Because Star Labs got involved. Yes. Oh, sweet. And there was, we, uh, something caught fire and there was the sprinkler. robot. 
Yeah, it was crazy. Because <laughs> oh. hey, weren't so, you two sitting on the robot while we were open joking at Joker's cell? As 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 the fight as the the fight came to an end and we were like licking our wounds, people came to come and find us to rescue us. And me and Mike's character were just sitting on the flaming wreckage of a robot, looking like badasses, trying to cover the fact that we both had a serious case of broken ribs and internal bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. So and whilst Batman was gone, other vigilantes and anti-heroes weren't, and they did turn up. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So Riddler, Catwoman, uh, Dent was around, I believe. Dent was around. Dent was uh, healed, had his face patched oh, up, and was, re- was running, running for another term as district attorney. Yes, and we were all the... Strange. Do we, do we trust him thing? Mm-hmm. And I remember a load of the characters were just like, no, we... one chance, we, two. We, we oh, shit. A lot no, of shade was thrown dense way. Yeah, Doctor Strange was there. The Secret Six turned up. <laughs> yep. Oh, oh God, no. So, yes, I did a lot of flirting with Catman as well. Oh, sweet. I did Catman in there. Yeah. Amazing. Canon bisexual. Yep. Did flirting and cops started avoiding me as a partner because I kept killing my partners. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Inadvertently killing your partners. Yes. Like when you got split up uh, at the fun fair. When you were investigating someone oh, making knock off Joker gas, we went into Joker's funhouse. <laughs> don't do that. Never do that. Don't do that. I don't. Know, we, we have again. We've stumbled back into World of Darkness. Yeah, funny. We have. So I think there's an RPG we we are playing here at the moment in in uh, in World One Stage One North. Uh, north. Oh, I guess we are at the yeah. north, are we? Uh, and it is a franchise RPG, it's Star Wars. Yeah. Now, Simon, tell us I'm about not your... playing in it, but I do have a peripheral connection to your current campaign. You do? Because <laughs> you're an NPC, in a way. Do you know what? It's been one of the most amazing things. Uh, I ran a Star Wars game that is set as a prequel. I say prequel. Set before the Knights of the Old Republic games, uh, which in turn is set uh, before Old Republic, which is obviously massive at the moment. Um... And it was really interesting. I did two campaigns before I left for university. You did two films out of the trilogy. Yeah, two films. Um, uh, Shadows of the Sith and Fate of the Force. Um, what was the third film going to be called? This is the one we're in now. Oh, okay. The Legacy of the Force. Because it's the legacy of what happened after the second one. There you go. But yeah, Simon, why don't we begin with the, your character in my Star Wars campaign? Well, Melora um, is a Zabrak, uh, which is the same race as Darth Maul, so horned and quite um, toughened by uh, growing up on a very fierce world, but without the, the red and black tattoos, just also like the skin. Also like that stoner from KOTOR 2. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she was raised by her grandfather, who was an archaeologist, who had uh, captured her curiosity at a young age and taught her about his studies and taught her the languages that on the tablets and the writings that he read. And, and it was old religious text. It was fascinating stuff, but she didn't know it was Sith. She nope. had no way of knowing that she was force sensitive, however, uh, which is how she came to be assaulted. Um, or she thought she was being assaulted. She was actually <laughs> yeah. being recruited. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yes, and and Some she poor bastard tried to recruit her, <laughs> and she instinctively killed her recruiter. And uh, finding Which his side? lightsaber, 
it was the red lightsaber oh, that right, she found yeah. at this point. Um, and, and stole the lightsaber as a trophy and kept it until she was then recruited sometime later. Uh, not by the Jedi Order, but by a Jedi. And had grown some training and was brought into the Order as a sort of, I'm already trained, my origin is a bit of a mystery, never mind. Uh, but here I am, totally loyal, honest. But she was influenced by her upbringing, so she didn't wear the traditional Jedi robes. She wore black robes, uh, carried a purple-beamed saber, and with the Shoto shorter red-beamed lightsaber that she used as a surprise weapon because she had been trained into weapon fighting. She was grey. She was neither dark nor light. And uh, this led to a lot of suspicion being cast on her by other characters who were light. Because if you're not light then light characters tend to look at you as dark, Mm. regardless of the truth. And she did admittedly do a few things that, whilst not evilly intentioned, could certainly look suspicious. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Like certain things involving Sith artifacts. Yep, which was a Uh. sacrifice on her part. Uh, She took the curse of it upon herself to save the rest of the party. Because she knew they were all light side and it would corrupt them. But she had had dabblings with the darkness. She realized now, as she had learned that all those things she had read and learned as a, as a child were Sith. And she had managed to resist falling to the dark side with that influence upon her. So she threw herself under the bus. But it certainly looked like she was just grabbing for power. What I loved about that, yes, that uh, obviously that element that it, it did look like Melora was just going uh, going for the power. Um but also, she had a beautiful, like, realization that it's really hard to stay gray. Yep. Really hard. And that's something we're noticing lately. Um, <laughs> we just- but we'll get there, because another uh, player in uh, this saga is sat next to me. Jack, Hello. go. Hello. Hi. Do you wish, which character do you want me to talk about? Both of them. <laughs> In chronological order. Because there's three if you do it in chronological order. Okay, chronological order. So, the first character. um, uh, I keep keep saying Visus Mar in my head. I know that's the character from KOTOR 2. Visius. Visius Turtina. That's it. Who, uh, or Turritna. Turritna, yeah. Um, Who was a... um, Miralukan. Miralukan. Fucking hell. I'm, <laughs> I'm losing the plot. Mandalorian. No. <laughs> he was a blind guy. Yeah. yeah. Which just seems to be my go-to <laughs> in Star Wars, really. Um, he was a uh, he was a Miralukan who are basically people, but they got no eyes. Yeah. They see with the Force. They see with the Force. In much the same way we see with light, they see with the Force. Yeah. Oh, and just an aside, because Miralukan has reminded me, uh, from the Old Republic, the... Uh, the um, current MMO of Star Wars. Yes. There's a wonderful moment in that. Uh, I'm playing Amira Lucan as one of my main characters in that. And there is a part of the plot where you encounter a Nautilan talking to a Twi'lek about uh, oppression of aliens. Mm. And I was there with Zoe's character, who is also a Twi'lek, and we were having a chat about the oppression of aliens, and there is a Nautilan who is a head-tentacled, brightly-coloured alien, and two Twi'leks who are head-tentacled, brightly-coloured aliens talking about how <laughs> the, the human residents of the area treat aliens with gross disrespect. And there's Calwin, who just looks like a white guy with uh, a blindfold. And he goes, I'm an alien. I've sensed no particular 
hostility. And <laughs> the side-eyeing he got from all three of the others in the cutscene was so good. <laughs> that is amazing. But the thing is that they do just look like people, but they, they got do. And, and they do actually, like, a tradition among them is to wear a band or some sort of thing across where their eyes would be. Because they notice other people get a little bit freaked out. By yeah, them. like, they're, they're very much a diplomatic race so in, in a lot in, of ways. In, in very the, open-minded. In the case of Viseos, he, he wore uh, bandages. He did. It was very, very simple, severe bandages, and he wore, like, very simple robes. He was a very simple... Jedi. And he was trained they by the Jedi Order, yes. They yes, were quite dead, weren't they? Uh, sort of, kind of, I mean... He kind of looked a bit dead. No, not over the top of the head, though. It was just a band round his eyes. Yeah. Um, basically, he was raised in the Jedi Temple. He was a, a Jedi consular. So rather than learning how to fuck people up with a lightsaber, which, you know, he could also do to some degree. Mm-hmm. He was all about force power, but even, even more than that, he was all about diplomacy he was the jedi as the diplomats of the galaxy going into fights and going hey guys be cool a lightsaber being snapped was the last resort yeah if he had to pull his lightsaber out that meant he had failed in you know the negotiations have failed yeah and that was a bad thing bad thing if the if the negotiations fail then you force push everyone over until they get too tired to stand up and then they've got to talk (laughs) Yeah, if that that, was, that was what he did a lot of the yeah. time, wasn't it? He was it, like, no, keep talking. Yep, yeah, he was a, a, not so much a pacifist, because obviously no Jedi is really a pacifist, but he was about as close <laughs> as you can get without, you know, being kicked out of the Order. He was just defensively kind of... Um, yeah, he's like, if we start know, fighting, that means himself, we're not yeah. going to get anywhere. Exactly. You know, if, if we if we negotiate, one of us will be right and one of us will be wrong. Mm. If we fight, one of us will be dead and the other will be wrong. Yeah. So, you know, it basically... He, he was he was very very pragmatic like that. Like, let's just talk. Let's just talk this through. Which is kind of a really frustrating character to play in a D twenty system. Yeah, <laughs> which um, is fairly combat oriented. Yeah. So he was he was he was very very fun. Had this very dark story where he didn't really trust the Jedi Order, but he had to he had to didn't necessarily see the bigger picture, but had to trust that there was one. Uh, and towards the end of the first film. He got his shit kicked in by Darth Traithner, the big bad. Yeah, the main Sith Lord, who is still the reigning um, kind of um, force behind the um, the Sith. Yep, forces. <laughs> and he, um, and, and yeah. Viserys got his his uh, his self punted down a turbo lift shaft. Whilst Melora uh, fought with Sal Fife and Draethos. Yes, um, but then kind of. <laughs> Because Melora was not a consular. Melora was a sentinel, which basically means you're good at sneaking in places and then fucking people up when you're there. Yeah. Jedi rogue. Yeah, basically a Jedi rogue and a damn good one at that. And uh, so second film rolled around and my character was dead. Yeah, flung flung whilst being electrocuted down the obligatory, like, shaft. He was always in Star Wars. He was was Emperor in Return of the Jedi dead. Oh, yeah. By, By comic book rules, we never saw the body. Yeah, that's true. By, by Whedon rules, we never saw the funeral. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, the second game, I play a droid. I played HK-46. Yes, HK-46. Uh, an assassin droid, <laughs> who was basically just tooled up to kill anything that got a little bit too close. And very much based from HK-47 of Kotor exactly. fame. Because I was like, I'm just going to have a holdover character. Because, yes. Because my other character turned up later on, who was a... Question mark. <laughs> because essentially this character turned up long before Jack was uh, 
before you know anything was awry. You oh, know, this is back during this... our play-by-post on fucking internet forums days. That's where Darth Sombra came from. Is this the the um, the the counterpart to your character? Who I can't for the life of me remember. Not the name. Star Wars coming. No, it was it was a, it was a play-by-post like um, forum yeah, RPG. Yeah, I can't what your character's name was, but no, that's, where, that's where Sombra. Yeah, came that's from. right. Yeah, but then we you thought actually this is quite a cool concept for yeah. Um, so essentially what happened was the second, the second campaign rolls around, you had the traditional first one where it was all about, you know, just, uh, going up against the big bad allies, sort of classic star Wars. Yep. This one, um, constantly on the back foot, constantly on the back foot, sort of on the run, very much like hampered by a lot of Sith forces, completely outnumbered, that sort of thing. Um, and there is a new uh, Sith in town going by the name of Darth Sombra, uh, wreathed in a black cloak, uh, metal gauntlets, and a completely clear silver mask that, you know, covers his face uh, and is sort of doggedly hunting uh, the rest of the party as they, they go along. Not doing anything, just following no, and watching. Just stalking. Sort of, yeah. yeah, stalking, essentially. Um, until... Um, there was a little bit of an incident which went down on Duxon, which was a planet that was currently um, uh, sort of garrisoned by the Mandalorians. Yep. Uh, and it transpired that this masked individual had gained favour with the Mandalorians, and it was then that he revealed himself. And this is one of my favourite reveals, because no one saw it coming. No. Which is the weirdest thing, because it, to me, it, in the know, yeah. it seemed the most obvious thing in the world. <laughs> But when Rob is describing Sombra, who he's been controlling Sombra this whole time, leaping down from the shadows, confronting the the the, the, the party, and reaches back and takes off the mask, and it was that moment I was like, "Oh, they're gonna they're gonna know it's him." And I can't forget who it was, but someone thought that it was the Jedi Master who'd been giving them their missions the whole time. Yeah, and that he was actually playing both sides, mm-hmm. uh, and they went, "Oh, it's this guy." Uh, and you and you very just casually put the character sheet on the table and slid it over to me. Hello, Sal. Hello, Melora. Oh, it's beautiful. And that was where the movie ended. No, it wasn't. Was it not? No, no, the oh, movie no, ended with me getting my hand cut off and falling yes. off a ziggurat. Yes. <laughs> yes. In classic Star Wars comments. style. <laughs> yes, it was. Um, and Phil's Trandoshan character... Who Flying had wanted a, a starfighter from the very first campaign? Because he was a pilot. He was a pilot. <laughs> he was a pilot. He finally he quite got his own pilot without a plane. That's right, because he had uh, the party travelled round in basically their version of the Ebon Hawk, Millennium Falcon. It was a guest from Nova. It was the party hub, um, and uh, that's basically what was used because it was basically it was one of the best ships going and. Uh, um, you know, there was no need really for a starfighter, but Phil wanted one anyway. So we finally got one, right? <laughs> <laughs> finally got one, and the star the starfighter's like debut battle was in the climax of the second campaign, where he was completely swarmed by sort of Sith interceptor sort of fighters, um, clipped the side of a mountain, I think, wheeled out of control, and collided with the the big tower that the rest of you guys were standing on. Up. And he was just enveloped <laughs> in flames. <laughs> and that was the last we ever saw him. Except he is in the current one. It, well, that's it. Well, his, his family is, anyway. His family is, yeah. 
Yeah. The thing is, it's still ongoing because Sombra has come back for another go. He has come back for another go. And it's, and it's changed somewhat. Because back has. then, he was just like, I wanted to play, I wanted to play an evil, broody badass because I was, what, 17? We time. were a lot younger yeah. when we played it, yeah. I was 17 and very stupid. Now I'm 27 and somewhat stupid. <laughs> um, so Sombra is a lot more philosophical now. Mm. Um, and the idea with Sombra now is that He's basically looked at, he, you know, he faked his bus. I say faked his death. Traitor essentially faked his death for him. Um, he spent a long time looking at what the Jedi are doing, looking at what the Sith are doing and going, you guys are both assholes. Like the Jedi stopped stealing children and stopped <laughs> telling people to like, you know, su- you know, suppress their emotions and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? Sith, stop going on about like, completely subsuming everyone you fucking Anne Randian bastards I don't know who Anne Rand is because this is Star Wars but you know. <laughs> mm. but you know that, that whole like only the strong must survive is like no guys you've got these amazing powers help people Jedi stop being preachy pricks at the moment the Jedi the Jedi just as a force in the campaigns at the moment have very much gone uh, almost the prequel kind of way are very much like military emotion to it to a militant degree because they've been locked in this war for so long. Um, and the slightest slip could, could be a danger to anyone. Yeah, they're, so they're essentially defining themselves by the Sith. So the, the Jedi are, are suffering on a, on a philosophical level because of this fight. So Sombra has basically taken it upon himself to go, right, that's it. The force is an incredibly powerful element it's an incredibly powerful thing and you guys both think you know what you're doing with it but you don't you're just idiots that's it everyone dies i am burning every force using uh uh, hierarchy to the ground and we're just going to start again yeah it's a big task, but he's set himself a very big goal. He's like, you know what? The the the, the witches of Dathomir and shit like that, you know, where they, they, they have their ways of using the force, that's fine, because they're not giant empire spanning uh rule systems. They're not there's no mm. dogma to that. But the Jedi and the Sith, you guys are fucking idiots. I'm taking you on and I'm gonna just completely I'm gonna try and take you guys out. But even even Sombra understands that as in the latest campaign there is a uh, there's obviously a bigger problem in the way of this, and that is a oncoming Sith Armada that is basically um, basically on a one-way course to obliterating Alderaan, quite classically. <laughs> um, and it is, it is, exactly, and it is the players' uh, jobs to essentially um, basically hammer around the galaxy, basically pulling together a desperate um, kind of uh, force, uh, because the Re- Republic can't spare anything because they're locked to the stalemate so they have to go and recruit new people into their um into their ranks uh, is, to try and it's a proper bioware crpg yeah essentially on. it is it is a very much massive Which i love thing. i love but it, it but it, it just gives you a lot of opportunities to go to different worlds and and to you know just use your own imaginations essentially to do whatever you'd want to do in the star wars universe to try and save it but we do have a new crew we have a new crew and it's um it's it's beautiful in a way because we have all this we do have this tapestry of history about this uh, mm. campaign now which I really love um but we've got the new guys as well so um we have uh, Paul Rico which is Will's character a Jedi knight um 
who has sanctimonious little shit who (laughs) really annoys Sombra (laughs) because he's all the Jedi are right and we do it this way and this way and this way and Sombra's just the background going I'm gonna fucking strangle you actually that's the thing in a way you know he doesn't annoy him the thing is the great thing about Sombra is that any opportunity he'll have he'll barge the Jedi's shoulder like when he walks by him you know what I mean he he is very much just kind of questioning him the whole time I'm just pushing him and saying right you're going to snap and when when you do it's going to be fucking glorious Uh, so I, also, I also love the fight they had when they were trying to teach the Wookiee how to fight with lightsabers. Uh, there is also, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll see, there's also uh, Lorgric, played by Todd. Uh, and uh, Lorgric is very much a runt of the litter kind of Wookiee that uh, was uh, uh, basically uh, kind of ran away almost from Kashyyyk um, because being in a society that values strength and honor and like uh that kind of thing yeah. above everything else never felt like a right fit for Lorgric, so ran away genius mechanic and pilot though genius mechanic and pilot to as sombra said like in the second session i believe like you must have jedi um, oh yes what was it you must be force sensitive in some way to uh, to be able to pilot so well yeah, yeah like, i was actually i was hoping you weren't gonna pick up on it because i was actually quoting uh phantom menace yeah no i did <laughs> any of this is my other thing it takes I, jedi powers to raise pods or something isn't it exactly yeah, yeah, i yeah. take any opportunity i can to quote the the prequel trilogy <laughs> as some <You're> monster <laughs> and i am going to remember this in the final encounter trust me <laughs> because i'm literally just going i'm sure if i took phrases and ideas from the prequel trilogy and put them into a proper context <laughs> I can I can do something good with the terrible must be it just happens to be words that happen to be in a dreadful film yeah there you go I can I can not save the prequel trilogy but I can salvage what I can yeah sure like rats from a sinking that? ship Gungans didn't come through <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah they no. just they stay where they were um, anyone who plays as a Gungan in my campaigns good luck um, <laughs> so we have obviously, as I was saying, Lorgric is this Wookiee who was being uh, is force sensitive and is kind of being taught by two masters, sort of. Yes, <laughs> it's weird. Really, he's kind of Porico's Padawan. Yeah, officially, uh, because he's he's learning the ways of the Force from a Jedi. Yeah. However, <laughs> he's also asked Sombra to to be a teacher. Yeah, in the sense of. Uh, wanted to learn how to fight with a lightsaber. He's like, well, if I'm going to be a Jedi, I'm going to have to learn how to fight with a lightsaber. You guys, you both have lightsabers. Yeah. To show me how to fight. So I was like, all right, cool. This would be good. <laughs> but it was, it was everyone beautiful. else was like, oh, wait, shit. We've just asked Sombra and the Jedi to fight. It was the first time that Sombra kind of like twigged in any kind of emotive sense was the fact that Lorgric not only asked for the, the Jedi's teachings, but for his, showing an open mind. And that's exactly and what Sombra's about. That's exactly what it was. But... Yeah, carry on. We go, right, let's, we're going to teach how to have a lightsaber fight. And get into the room, lightsaber's ready, like, lightsaber in, in um, Sombra's hand, but not activated. And Paul Rico turns to the Wookiee and says, okay, so the first thing you need to learn, and as he's saying that, Sombra force, uh, basically like force strikes him in the face and knocks him on his ass out of nowhere. And just then turns to the Wookiee and says, the first thing you need to know is you have to be ready for the fight to come at any moment. Mm. Don't wait for your opponent to be ready. Because by then you could be dead. Yeah. It's not fighting fair, it's fighting stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so, or if he gets onto his feet and we go, right, okay, let's get to the fight. Force strike him to the ground. Yeah. Second lesson <laughs> force is your ally. Use a lightsaber only when you absolutely have to. The force is a much stronger weapon 
Mm. And it was literally just going, I'm, I'm going to teach you some very important, very wise lessons by telekinetically punching the Jedi over and over <laughs> as much as I can. Because I'm the hell out of this. And they have this beautiful tension that's bit that's, that is there, that it's just underneath the surface. It's lovely. Um, but now they've they've basically... they And, and also, I've just realised we, we haven't actually finished the roster yet. Yeah. Because uh, we do have an astromech. Of course we do. <laughs> Played by Chris, yeah. That was you told them. So yeah, um we have a race to be as he's known as, um is as you quite rightly said, a slightly Oh my god. A, oh. a racist astromech droid. A racist murderous astromech droid that because Krisha realized that because it's an astromech droid these powerful magnets to say on Top of a, a ship, moving at like considerable speed, found a, ma- a, a Sith soldier that had been knocked prone and stood on his chest. Then activated the magnets <laughs> and crushed him. Whilst oh just going, <laughs> family, fa- family, sort of like entertainment. Star Wars this becomes a nightmarish kind of scene. <laughs> Where an astromech droid drags its body through the remains <laughs> of a Sith troop, and it's like, what the hell? That was, that was the same shit where Darth Sombra had been living in the vents for a while and collecting heads. Yeah, I love Sombra. it. Sombra basically was doing a Rambo in a ship. It was amazing. <laughs> um, basically, after the, after the same thing that they were. But we also have a bounty hunter. That's right. We do have a bounty hunter by the name of. Uh, Coro Tem, a um, Keldor. Keldor. The that, squiggly faces. They're the squiggly faces that need the um, the, the breath, breath masks. masks. Uh, yeah, a famous one is uh, Plo Cocoon. You have to be careful with that name. Yes. Because George Lucas wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and um, oh God. Um, He's he's great. He's he he loves blowing shit up now. Like he's like <laughs> oh yeah. Like he's, he's been real... trying to find his way throughout the entire campaign. He's been using like he's, he's a martial arms quite a lot. Yeah, martial artist. He has these really cool um, cortosis kind of alloy kind of gauntlets because you know he he's basically sculpted them so like at a push he could deflect a few a few bolts of a lightsaber. Is you know he could deflect them. He could punch a lightsaber. A few of them perhaps. You know, if he was, you know, lucky, lucky. Um, but yeah, he's been trying to find his footing, and you know, he's, he uses a blaster as well. It's only when he decided to pick up, I don't know, explosives. Uh, not things. just when you say explosives, we should probably point out that it was spread out. It was probably about eighty to ninety pounds of high explosives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a cave network. Okay. Is this the cave that work on the Khajiit? Yes. That we had to... We found an ancient ship that it turns out had basically seeded Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk used to be a desolate rock, and then the ship plowed into the side of it and suddenly trees. Mm-hmm. It was That's a cool. terraform. Ter- and you know what's weird? And it's actually canon, well, by Expanded Universe. Expanded Universe. But yeah, it was a terraforming ship. And we found it, and the Sith were going to harness the power and take it away. We were like, well, shit, if they do that, then what happens to Kashyyyk? Also, the Sith would then have a terraforming ship. Well, kind of. You didn't. Well, you know what? Better safe than sorry. We're still we're we, still playing. Aren't yeah, we, we, so. we blew the shit out of that cave. <laughs> yes, 
buried the oh my goodness me but it was it was also how often have we got into a situation uh, eventually get into a place because sombra goes right i'm gonna start going by darth sombra again yeah walks into an imperial facility and goes i'm darth sombra and they go oh shit it's a sith like proper sith like, let, oh, let me show you where to go yeah i just bluffed my way into places by going oh, i'm evil i can't remember um so yeah and then we got booted off kashik yeah but yes uh Koro did blow the crap out of a thing with explosives and now we have a lot of explosives hanging around <laughs> just in case um and finally it's kind of coming back around on itself a little bit because as we left the last session it was revealed that the the leader of this strange organization known as the galactic resistance neither allied with the republic or the sith is led by None other than Melora. <laughs> and that's where we left it. And I'm scared. <laughs> Melora scares me. Melora's another one of the characters that scares me. Oh, in a second, Simon, I'm actually going to message you on Facebook uh, the reason, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to it. Because this okay. is one where my character has turned into an NPC played by someone else, and I'm learning about her antics, sort of secondhand, I'm- which I'm loving. I think you're going to be pleased. I think you'll be glad that I'm keeping, I'm staying faithful. Marvellous. <laughs> to your handy I would, groundwork. I would love to read this. Oh, man. So actually I write it down proper. Can I? I have a I lot have, of my notes around. May I have your permission to borrow your notes once the RPG is done and yes. finished so I can novelize this? Absolutely. Okay. I'd, like, I'd like to help, though. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, your, it's your brain, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because I'm really looking forward to the next couple of sessions. But, we, yeah, sorry, that was a lot about Star Wars. I apologize. I, I, I'm, yeah, it's, it's getting quite interesting. It's about, with Sombra in particular, accidentally killing people he really shouldn't. And I don't mean that in the <laughs> way that normally happens in RPGs, where you accidentally throw a man over the edge of a thing. I mean, going up against Sith lords that he has no right being able to fight mm. and killing them. Yeah, well, he's, he's at, it's unbelievable, like... I've leveled this properly. I've done it by the book. Yeah. And somehow, somehow, Sombra just pulls it out of the bag it's, just when he needs to. It's worth pointing out that Sombra's use of force choke is not the usual thing. It's not centered around someone's throat. He basically just holds the heart. So he just oh. holds the heart in place. Mm. So the last, was it Imaxis we fought last time? Yeah, Darth Imaxis. Where we were in a, a giant ship that was in, on, crash landed on Tatooine, so the, the bowels of the ship were still filling with sand. Yeah. So force, after a big, big force battle fight that was just, you know, things flying everywhere. And the occasional lightsaber. And occasionally batting away a lightsaber, yeah. but mostly force lightning. Mostly force lightning and force grip. He was at his last, you know, on his last legs, just force gripped him. That was and it. Was that there. was the line. I, I, you know what? I wanted to say this to you oh, because okay. I thought it was so fucking badass, that line. I can't remember. <laughs> that was it. He says, um, you know in your heart you will never truly be one of them. And then it's something that you came back with and I can't remember what uh, it was. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it Max looks at it, you know, because Max is sort of like, you know, saying to him, uh, no matter what, you know, what, what you do, you'll never yeah. be one of them. So about like, you know, the, the Imperials, not the Imperials, the... Um, just the good guys, you'll never be the Jedi, you'll never be like a, a hero or whatever. And it was, uh, as Sombra sort of slowly tightened the thing and, and pushed Imaxis back so that he was underneath a flume of sand that was flowing down, so basically mm. burying him alive in this sort of sand pile that went, <coughs> you're right, I'll never be them. I'm so much better. I'm so much worse. And then, and he died. And it, it just crushed him. It was like, ah, 
I'm like, you know what? That's it. I'm, I'm spent for the evening. <laughs> oh no! Then I, did, I did then use force move object to fling the corpse up onto the, the upper edges of the battleship yeah. at the Sith soldiers. But it's interesting because it's the certain. <laughs> Where is your god now? <laughs> it's the first time that Sombra's also got angry. Yeah. Oh, I use dark side points. Control. I use dark side points. It did a lot of damage. I might do that more often from now on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It does do more damage. It does do more damage. Yeah. Anyway, Jesus Christ. Yeah, we've been going a long time, but I think we've given an impression of what you can do with role playing games, and we haven't even exhausted like the the tip of the iceberg of stories. Oh no, no, I, no. Yeah, and I'm I'm very aware that obviously this is kind of bit for us. Like, it's kind of been a very obviously self indulgent oh, kind God, of yes. discussion. We obviously, do this show for us. Yeah, exactly. And we hope people obviously enjoy listening to these stories because yeah. obviously we have enthusiasm, great love for doing this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just amazing, isn't it? It's so worthwhile. We, we, I mean, we haven't even gone into things like Lacuna. We haven't gone into Numenera. We haven't, oh, gone, Numenera. In, oh we haven't gone into Demon the Fallen. Big eyes, small mouth. Oh, Besom. Oh, fuck Besom. <laughs> fuck Besom right in stupid fucking face. I love that. Oh, God. Besom's a great place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. that? We haven't talked about FMA. We haven't. Talked about language, but I've actually made an RPG. Oh, and, wow. and I've taken, yeah, I've yeah. taken your plan and made running an avatar with it. So. Yeah, like we could we could do a whole other session about our. You know what? I think this will be part one of one that we'll come back to in a couple of months' time mm. of drinking stories. Next time we'll get some cigars and some muttons. <laughs> and Sarah going, that reminds me of a time when. That's basically what we've been doing. It's yeah, been great. that is. So and this all came from the Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> from now on, Darth Sombra will be voiced by Christopher Walken. Yeah. <laughs> but the one last thing I, I want to... I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> the one last thing I want to talk about is something I've got yes. a plan for. Oh, okay. Because uh, I, I want to share it with you guys because I think you'll be uh, into the idea. No, go on. Is, uh, on Kickstarter, someone is starting an RPG for Vert. Now, how many of us on this call are familiar with it? Oh, I know you've gone on and on about it before. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is, but I'd like to know. Okay, Vert is a sort of post-cyberpunk novel that is surreal as fuck. Uh, the idea is that... Hang on, is, I, I vaguely remember, was there someone doing a thing about someone was jerking off and there were feathers? Both of those things what do happen the in the book, yes. Yes. Uh, Vert is a sort of virtual world, it's a dream world that is accessed by licking feathers. And it's the analogue for virtual reality. Like I said, it is post-cyberpunk. So there are people who edit dreams onto feathers using snakes as uh, ways to cut the dreams into size. Uh, oh, it's, it's a very strange book. Wow. Uh, people are... Uh, the, the sort of boundaries between sentient species, well, not even sentient species, between species has been broken by science, and now some people are part dog, uh, some people are also part robot, and also part shadow, which is just this sort of echo of a person possibly laced with the vert. It makes them slightly psychic and very detached. It's trippy as hell. Yep. And they're making an RPG about it. Oh, Wow. And what's really appealing to me is the idea that each feather is its own dream. Now, some of them are completely harmless, like uh, you just go flying with a flock of birds and isn't that lovely? And those are the blue feathers, kind of uh, completely legal. Uh, you buy them over the counter. They're harmless. 
there are pink feathers they're pornographic um there are sort of silver feathers which are used to edit other feathers they are sort of um admin tools but there are also yellow feathers which become very interesting meta feathers feathers within feathers and if you enter into a meta feather and die you die right yeah. oh. but what i've got planned when this comes to me is each feather is a one shot campaign with pregen characters in another system oh sweet so the characters oh. exist in the world of vert but when they go into a feather they are playing a one shot from another system and they're playing with character sheets in that system but the person playing it is not the player it's the character so if they have to come up with a meta idea of how oh, to Christ. use that character they have to roll with their character to see if they can come up with the meta idea and oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> <laughs> you're a oh bad my god man. that's crazy. love it that's and the crazy, ultimate man. solution of the game is there is a feather they need to beat they need to get to the end of this feather and they can replay this one shot as often as they like but it's a paranoia game. Huh. Oh, oh shit. No, 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 no. <laughs> paranoia is and it will be the kickstarted new paranoia, not the classic paranoia. Uh paranoia is an RPG that started in the sort of Cold War era and was all about communists and mutants. But really it was about screwing over your friends and dying a lot. Oh yeah. You can die in character creation. I love that. You can. You can <laughs> die before the campaign starts. Um to, to sum up paranoia, basically uh you are a troubleshooter for something called Alpha Complex, which is a mysterious self-contained subterranean complex. Uh run by Master Computer, who is your friend. Do not contradict your friend. Master Computer decides if you live or die, if you commit any sin you die. For example, a player was once asked to wake up and report to briefing, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to report to the briefing. It's like, uh, how are you going to do that? Well, I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm going to go out the door. It's like, public nudity is against, uh, against code. Please report for clone recycling. And then woke up again, and it's like, okay, I'm going to put on some clothes, and I'm going to leave the door. It's that easy to die. Yeah. And the new Kickstarter is all about... Um, terror threats uh, and that kind of suspicion uh, but it's also about social networking and ever-present computers because it's not about CCTV anymore because we live in that world, that world is no longer terrifying it's about having the computer literally see through your eyes you have an implant in your head which means friend computer sees everything you see hears everything you hear uh, but can't feel what you feel or smell what you smell because those sensors aren't tapped in but can also interfere with your senses. So now, rather than just killing you off, friend computer might offer you help along the way. Uh, one example given in the rulebook is uh, if they're getting into a firefight. Oh, and one thing I should explain about the new paranoia is with every roll, you roll your skill dice and the computer dice. If the computer dice comes up, it means whatever happens has happened because of the computer. <laughs> if it's a success, it's a success the computer has interfered with to make happen. If it's a failure, it's a failure that the computer has interfered with to make happen. Or it could be a success that happens in spite of the computer also getting involved. What? <laughs> so, for example, you have a success, but the computer activates. So you do hit your target with your first shot in a firefight. 
but your vision is then replaced by a pop-up video as friend computer says, it looks like you're engaging in firearms play. Would you like to watch a brief tutorial? <laughs> so it's a very fucked up game. And this is the, the players will ultimately have to keep going back to it until they beat the paranoia game. Sweet baby Jesus, that sounds I'm nightmare. a sadist. So you just end up playing role-playing games until you end up playing this and you go mental. <laughs> oh my goodness, that sounds amazing. That's though. the far end of the rabbit hole right That, is, that really that is. Long way down. Like one of them will be a little, uh, a little Pathfinder dungeon. One of them will be a little World of Darkness story. You know, just lots of little one-shots. Yeah. And then one of them will be Paranoia. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> it always comes back to paranoia, doesn't it? It's a it horrible does. game. <laughs> horrible. It's a wonderful, horrible game. <laughs> oh. So that uh, was pretty epic. For part one of our, our, our <laughs> drinking campfire um role-playing game war My stories. Yeah. War stories, that's what this is. Yeah. I think next time we do it, we should talk about full-on war stories. So maybe like tabletop war games. Oh, our greatest battles and whatnot. Greatest battles. Simon with your fucking towel. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got the objective. I fucking hate you. Well, see, that's the problem. Those are going to be the conversations. I like RPG conversations because they're about characters and they're about narrative. Whereas, yeah, uh, Oh, you can definitely have those with tabletops as well. You can, but mostly it will be. And then I, I just smashed a rhino through a wall onto the objective in the last turn, and they're, they're less interesting to talk about. True. You, you, true. You, could, you could make them less interesting, but then I pulled it out of the bag. I rolled a four and a two. Exactly. <laughs> they do become Rimmer's Risk stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when shall we three meet again? Uh, the One thing uh, the there's the between the... four and five of us. Correct, just like <laughs> the witches in Macbeth. <laughs> oh. Hi. Yeah. I was going to say under the light of the next full moon. Uh, in thunder, lightning, or in rain. Yeah. When the hurly-burly's done? I don't know. When the battle's lost? <laughs> I don't... I, I see, the thing is, I quoted this without actually real remembering what it is. I was like, is a... You're not... What are you quoting? What are you quoting? Macbeth! Oh! It is the witches from <laughs> Macbeth, dude. Fair is foul and foul is yeah, fair. Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. I, we performed, that's so weird. We performed this on stage. No, I know that's so weird, but I thought I was quoting something else then. No, we performed my this on God, stage. What's happened, the to my, what's happened to my brain? It's a question we often ask. I think possibly two and a half hours of RPG stories has happened to your brain. Perhaps. It's Jonah, man. He's back. <laughs> okay, we'd better flee before Jonah takes control. <laughs> You have been listening to a lot of World 1 Stage 1. I have been various people, including Simon. I have been Jack. I have, I have been... been... Oh, oh my goodness, it happened! <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. was my fault that time. No, I'm sorry, that's my fault. Go again. From Stop. the top. Let's start again. From the top. I'm I so have been various people, including Simon. I have been Jack. I have been Irish. And I've been on the right sort of time this time. This is the, I, well done. Just stop it. And I've been an interloper. You have indeed. <laughs> this has been World One Stage One. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Please just go. <laughs> End this. <laughs> <laughs>